later on confirmed. The difference between Get Right and Force and Device is they, they had the same amount of talent, but Device sort of had the structure in its life is working really hard. Um, and that made it work for him. And maybe if uh, Force and Get Right were born later, yeah. maybe they would have had the same uh, career as Device. But that's how I see it, at least, because they're all all of those three is obviously the best ones I worked with. They're all as talented as each other, but Device just had better work ethic. Add some fun to your space with Extrify, designed in Sweden with focus on quality products built on experience. You're looking at Project 4. They're four generation of products with super cool colorways to stand out, with matching sets to satisfy with a solid B4 bungee, lightweight ergonomic M4 mouse, the K4 keyboard is fantastic, all of which are performance focused, and finish it off with colorful GP4 mouse mats that are bold in design and smooth on the surface. The retro theme in particular has got the feels. Complete your setup with Extrify. No regrets, guaranteed. Finally, I found what I was looking for. Now that my search is over, it's gonna be a tough choice. But fortunately, no need to choose when you can just have them all. Buy and sell skins on bitskins.com. N1Bet is here to make your world brighter. Bet anytime, anywhere. Just go to n1bet.com and get your free bet with promo code HLTV. When everything is clear and transparent, play is pleasure. N1Bet.com. Your bet, your game. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Counter-Strike fans across the globe, welcome to another episode of HLTV Confirmed. Uh, we're brought to you by a couple of lovely sponsors. They make things possible. They make things happen. They keep the lights on. They keep the hamster wheel running. They keep Lucas in his chair. They keep things warm around here because it's fucking cold in winter in Europe, and that sucks. But uh, we got those sponsors there, Extrify. If you need any periffs, mouse, keyboard, mouse pad, headset, take a look. They got some goodies. They got some wireless stuff. Some of those keyboards, you see, they've got fucking flags and names on them. It's pretty cool. All right, we've also got Bitskins. You know, everyone likes skins, like a Dragon Law and Asimov. Maybe you're in the marketplace for a how. You're a big spender. You can check out Bitskins. They might be able to hook you up. And last but not least, N1 Bet. Remember to gamble responsibly. All right, that's the sponsors done. That's the intro done. I'm tired. I just had a nap. I'm trying to wake myself up. I'm reading a quick list. Avoid hitting the snooze button. Avoid. Expose yourself to bright light. Well, this monitors the fucking sun. Make the bed. I slept on the couch. Drink a glass of orange juice. Don't have any. Enjoy a cup of coffee. Fell asleep while drinking the cup of coffee. This isn't on here, but if you slap yourself in the face, that didn't make the slapping noise, but I actually hit myself hard. You're kind of a bit more awake. Now, I'm going to shut Did the you fuck get a up. cold shower? Here's the first guy. His name's Prof, and he's talking about cold showers. I didn't have a cold shower, mate. I literally woke up at quarter to quarter to nine. I'm Unprofessional fucking zonked, mate. As fuck. I, I this is a classic talent in esports. I was having the nap to be in, in better in better shape, mate. I woke up today at 7 a.m. because they were dropping a dryer off between 7 and 2, and the dryer arrived at 
Damn. You've never had anything delivered that early in your life. No. No. And that's, that's what I'm talking about. That's insane what, scenes. You, you can't get better than that. Striker, when was the earliest delivery you think you've ever had? And where, why was it the printer that you stole? <laughs> um, I don't know. Something Usually things come at like 8 to 9, sometimes a little bit later, sometimes. Actually, later. yeah. I had a delivery this morning. It was like 9 to 2, and it arrived at 9. And uh, it was a sex toy. So there we go. Wow. Okay. Keeping people <laughs> awake from 9 to Put 5. Little too much information. Yeah, okay. And uh, yeah, delivery... it was the inverse of a dryer when you think about it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Fucking hell. Rob. That, th this has come from nowhere early. The sexual connotations are rife this evening. Uh, Threat, welcome. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking about sex toys. What's your experience uh, in that field? Yeah, I don't want to share too much, you know. Okay. Maybe not the inverse of a hair dryer, but it's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, as long as everyone's feeling dry down oh, there at duh. the moment. You know? How long has it been? Like two minutes we've been live? We're already here? I'm not sure <laughs> how we got here. Let's go. Um, you know, there's, there are a lot of things that we can go into with, with sex toys. Obviously, there's, there's, there's bondage gear, there's, there's different... a lot of things as well. This episode, <laughs> don't even try to mute anything. It's demonetized. Yeah, there's not going to be... There's not, nothing's going to actually get into the actual volume. I, I don't know, man. I don't know. The adult humor, I think we're all adults here. Counter-Strike, what is it? It's yeah, MA16+, just, just don't use the C-word. Yeah, That's the yeah. yeah, chaffage, because that always gets a bit rough uh, during sexual intercourse. Okay. Uh, so, look, we've done some light introductions here, but I want to get this thing started tonight because we've got lots to talk about. Uh, Lucas is is here as well, uh, of course. He's making things happen. Lucas, I want to get into the recent news ASAP because then I want to get in the hot seat with Threat, and we have a lot to dive into over the last couple of years. So roll the, roll the bump up. Let's get into the recent news, and let's get things underway. All right, we've got a bit of a softball here, a bit of a, a, a bit of a, a t-ball situation. I'm going to whack this one off its home runs, but we're going to smash this one out of the park. This one's an easy one. Uh, so the Blast major details have been released recently. They announced all the different qualifiers all within the stage. They did a nice little video explainer, uh, getting all that information out there. But something stood out a little bit like a sore thumb. That was the fact that there was only one open qualifier. Uh, this is mainly for the European side of things, and there was just a few questions around that, which back and forth it was tossed, schedule this, schedule that. Uh, but Prof, it appears that they have found a solution. Uh, could yeah. you explain to the people at home with the new situation why it's important that we have at least more than one, so a minimum two of the open qualifiers yeah. with the new system? I mean, if anyone watched any open qualifier or followed any open qualifier in the past, first of all, it's single elimination. Um which in theory isn't that bad because we have all of these close qualifiers. So a lot of the good teams are already going to be invited, but like deciding 16 teams uh, from one open qualifier means that like you essentially you can win like three or four games, you're already through. And a lot of it is just decided based on seeding, right? So if the seeding is not good, which it oftentimes isn't in these qualifiers, because it's like, it's hard to decide who is the number 40 against number 50 or number 75 or number 128. So you're bound to have some like weird, matchups maybe earlier than they should be it's uh, just going to lead to some teams missing out based on you know you just play the team that is objectively better while 10 other teams that are maybe worse than you you didn't get to play so uh that's just the problem of having one qualifier so they switched it to two so it's now eight teams per open qualifier in europe which is better i still feel like four would be the right solution three to four but it's yeah i don't think it's ideal for an, for a major to have just like two qualifiers but it's 
it's not a complete disaster as one was. Yeah, I think that. From my That's side, fair. I think the the bigger bigger problem almost was that you know sometimes there were these like cheating cheating scandals you know that happened in, in open qualifiers and they basically never like went well for the team that got eliminated by that team yeah. you know they always got eliminated by by a cheating team and then like a day that later that got that team got disqualified or maybe a couple of rounds later but the tournament organizers never replayed the bracket like back to what was supposed to happen you know with that team so like that's kind of like how some teams just got out of these open qualifiers sometimes and had to try again and obviously you know with one open qualifier that's just it if that happens to you you know and and they're not willing to replay some of these situations so that's that that was the biggest danger that i saw to be honest not even just that it was so cutthroat yeah i don't think there is a necessarily an ideal uh format right this is always a bit chopping and changing and we're always having a couple of new additions this close qualifying being one of them threat let's get your more broad opinion on how things have adjusted here with the major qualifier with the open qualifier now the closed qualifier the rmrs all, all this different how you feel with the, the the way that teams are qualifying for the majors these days do you do you like it uh well sort of not the part where you go for the single elimination best of one brackets we're talking about here right having only one is like not nightmare fuel like especially when i worked as a coach i remember we did a few of them um like the minor qualifiers way back i remember we had some really poor results um because i mean not only are you like it's super random because it's best of one when you're getting into these as i mean i think astralis was a team that struggled right like, yeah, yeah last year ago, yeah uh like you're playing with so much pressure you're playing against teams which you can find nothing on and obviously they can look you up and especially when you can have a top 50 team today that can like literally beat a top 20 team um is it, just such a nightmare and i think that's like one of the main reasons when you really get deep enough in the major that you don't have to go back and do that it's just such a sigh of relief yeah for sure and then one of, one of the factors that's part of this modern day uh qualification is obviously this regional ranking that they've done right and i see that this getting critiqued as well a lot of people have a conversation around this um and i look the way that they're calculating it is through like prize prize money and teams beaten, right? Like that that's kind of I'm I'm dumbing it right down here. We don't know the full um we don't have the full oh, set of information yeah. as to how they determine it yet, right? It's not completely public in terms of like the, the way that they get there. But I think when we look at the ranking like this, the key is not to look at who is at the top of the ranking. The key is to look at who are the teams who are at the cusp of the cutoffs for each region, right? because that's where the teams are going to be affected the most. So, Striker, is it top 16 from Europe that get invited to the close qualifier? Yeah, it's half, half and half should be for the for the close qualifier um, so, yeah. for in terms so, of open qualifier versus like regional standings teams. Yeah. yeah, but some teams go directly to the RMR, so it's going to be more right. than the top 16, yeah. right? Yeah. But that's the thing, right? So if you were to go through the list as it is right now, the teams who are in the top 16, a lot of those names are already going, like other than take G2, for I example. Like 12, out of, 12 out of the top 16 teams or something it looks are like already quite in the a lot, RMR right? or something, yeah. Yeah, so then it's just going to shuffle down the list. So this is something that I don't think a lot of people have really like had the penny drop with just yet. Like not only are you going to get a whole bunch of names already through to the RMR, then you're going to get the whole next bunch names who are going to get invited directly to the closed qualifier because they're all going to siphon in with the round and then yeah. it's going to however far down the list we are let's say we're down i don't know in the late 20s now this is where you're having the conversation about the those kind of names who might just miss out and have to go through the open qualifier so if you're looking here you've got like monty heat endpoint right those names who are currently down the bottom uh towards the, the 30th on that list so that's going to have an impact in that way and i don't think it's going to be as severe as what people are 
are thinking. So we'll get to see those cutoff points come to fruition pretty soon, right? It's only a couple of weeks until that deadline comes in. To February 12th, I think, is when they decide that. So, I mean, at this point, well, I think end it's of fairly... Cup, right? Yeah, exactly. I think it's, at this point, it's already going to be fairly uh, obvious, or at least, you know, pretty close, even from the current one, because I even, like, took a screenshot and put it together uh, for what teams would make it. But it's essentially the current top 30 will be invited to either the RMR or the close qualifier, at okay. least, because, you know, 14 out of the top 30 teams are going straight to the RMR, then the rest of the other 16 will go to the close qualifier. And it's... I mean, yeah, there's not, I mean, there's been some kind of like criticism about specifically like opening and flames, you know, being so high based on just farming some of these like tier two, two tier two events. But generally it's, as this prop said, it's more like lower down where people might have some issue with uh, with certain placings, you know, but um, then you have that like other half, you know, that could get decided from the open qualifiers. Yeah, well, they're only going to get invited to the closed qualifier anyway, right? right? Exactly. right. Like, so... Nobody actually gets to like RMR, like land the land phase without playing each other, you know? Yeah, and so it's going to be. Yeah. I just want to add in, like, it's obviously better. We can't forget the system we had before this with the RMR points and all the qualifiers, oh, yeah, yeah. like the past two years. So, even like, uh, this is not a perfect ranking. I don't think there's any way of making a perfect regional ranking, uh, but it still make way more sense than having. Um, I mean, we had a, like RMR points from, I don't know, like eight months back when we qualified yeah. for a major. It's so weird. It's definitely going to lighten the load. So job done there by yeah. Blast. So good yeah, job. Yeah. At the I end mean, of the day, yeah. you still need to win games to get to the major, which is the most important thing, right? You can't just luck yourself through some like random results. You need to go either to the armor, close qualifier, win X amount of games to get to the major to earn like the stickers and stuff. So I feel like it's a still a decent system, right? Yeah. I think it's more like the, I mean, the straight uh, qualifier, uh, the straight invites to the armor are basically like the only part where people get so kind of like get to skip phases right yeah because at this point like last time we just had i don't know how many spots exactly was it 16 as well or maybe it was 18 or something that we had from open qualifiers going straight to the rmr now we have 16 teams just going straight to the close qualifier you know where from yeah. that the 18 teams will go to the rmr you know so essentially there's quote unquote no harm done in terms of like how close more closed it is because it's still the same amount of teams that get the open opportunity that get through like uh, the first phase, but then they will have to prove themselves against the better teams, you know? So there's more like the extra step of the close qualifier that kind of makes the difference now, rather than, you know, suddenly it being more like, you know, partner team heavy as people like to call it just based on rankings, you know? Uh, there is something that I, I want to I wanna bring up here. So uh, Pipe Bomb, Bomb in chat said, if Astralis can farm blast points, then Copenhagen should be able to uh, allow to farm CCT points. That's in response to someone else here. But as far as this ranking goes, I'm going to be interested to see how that works, right? Because Astralis so far haven't won a game uh, at Blast, right? And the teams that they've been playing are exclusively within the Bar Blast partner club. So let's say that they beat NIP. Okay, well, they're actually ahead of NIP on the rankings right now. So how much is that going to bolster them? Probably not a lot because NIP is already below them. So I, I mean, we can I think... see that very specifically. You know, only if you have been released and they were only during the during the break. So like next update, we'll actually get a decent idea of how like at least what's going to affect works, what. You know? Okay. Well, we'll keep an eye out for that, and we can discuss that maybe in greater length the next time because I fucking suck with numbers and stuff, and I'm trying to understand it like a Neanderthal here. So uh, I probably am not going to be able to be as equipped as. Uh, as somebody like Threat, who when I was, you know, I was, I was reading through today, May, I was having a little bit of a look. Um, where, what do we got here? There was one little one little line here that you went and did uh, after working as a developer slash data scientist for two years, right? So you would be great with the numbers, Threat. You would be able to, to break all this stuff down for us, right? You should be able to explain it to simpletons like me. I'm not throwing it on you right now, but I'm sure you're better with the numbers than myself. 
Um, yeah, well, it's, it's become a really big part of the, the game the past few years, and that was sort of the idea. And I mean, I will get much deeper into this when I discuss um, like my two-year ten, tenure here now at NIP. Okay. Uh, but I regarding the, the gun, then. Yeah, but regarding the actual um, the rankings, I, I do, like, in the beginning, I was very opposed to the idea to use, because uh, as you said earlier, Chad, I think uh, price money weighs very heavily in this regional ranking, right? Um, I believe so. And it's, it is like a very, very abstract idea to use price money, but it, in general, on, like on average, it actually kind of makes sense. Right. So I it, agree. It, it, it's not the worst thing in the world, but it's like, if you actually look at it, I would almost agree with it. Right. Okay. Well, we'll see how it plays out. Yeah. I, I just wanted to say the other thing that is kind of important about this change is how they've moved up the... America's qualifiers because they were kind of clashing with Pro League as they were at that point. And so some teams would have been in, in Pro League Group A would have had a problem because, you know, basically all of them have to play all the either the open qualifier or the closed qualifier. And so that means, you know, that just creates a clash and they have to be in the Americas for that. Mm. And they, they would have the time to travel over in time. You know, they basically would have had schedule clashes. Yeah. yeah. But that, that's yeah. Like, that's, that's a lot of what that. this is for, though, right? Is to help love- lighten a bit of the load. I love yeah. CS. I love CS. Where the schedule clashes two weeks into the into the year, we have uh, teams signing up fucking stand-ins that they then can't use because they got like misinformation. But let's yeah. get it's, to that. Let's get it's to all that. great. Yeah, right. we'll, we'll we, get there. Do we want to skip, more. The, skip the Frenchies? Thing no, and... let's let's quickly. We'll just touch on this. We don't have to dive into any real yeah. detail, right? But French Counter Strike in the lead up to the to the major Bonsoir Messieurs. Uh, has just fucking just blown up. Um, there's been a couple of changes going on. So Body it has gone to uh, Falcons to Falcons. replace that of uh, Hadji. We've got Afro going on over to replace. Is it Gravity on LDLC? Uh, basically, there's a whole like move around. Lucky is now back with uh, some of the boys who were over on Heat, right? So there's just been a, a, a couple of couple of changes. I don't think there's too much to get excited about here. There wasn't too much to get excited about before with the French Counter Strike. I think just the, this is the question. We can do a thumbs up or thumbs down. Uh, essentially, thumbs up if we think this is gonna this improved French teams' chances to get to the major, to the and thumbs down if we think it like it made it worse. All right. So what I want to do with this is then I want a visual and an audio because the people at home listening with the oh, audio only will require an audio, and the pop, people who are watching yes. on the video will love the visuals. So striker, you go first. I want this to be very dramatic. I want you to think gladiator. Russell Crowe, he's just been a fucking badass in the ring. You think of this motherfucker, he's going to usurp me. The people, they're starting to see through this fucking Roman circus that we're putting on here. This cunt has to die, right? So give me give me the thumbs down with all of that in mind, all right? Can I just really... say, just looking at the changes, can I just say, can both die? <laughs> like, you can, can kill everybody. The whole thing yeah, kill Please, everybody, like, man. That's kind of like what I'm thinking about the changes, you know? Like, it that hasn't necessarily improved... Falcons in in my eyes particularly and where's the thumb? I just... can't see the thumb. Okay, there you go. And yeah, I'm just saying in general, it doesn't have to be for a specific team because it's the goal, yeah, yeah. The, the dream is for one team to make it right. What about Nakama? Here is we that go. the name of Shox's one? Yeah. Yeah. The uh, Smith's three other players I actually haven't heard of. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm sticking well, to the it's thumbs exciting down. That they're, they're trying. I'm doing a thumbs down. French Counter yeah, Strike right I think, now. I think actually, I think actually the Falcons thing is maybe maybe it's improved. That's the most I, exciting. I think that in LDLC they they got a bit more talent. The Heat is kind of falling apart. So I think they consolidated a bit of the talent. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say a thumbs up, but like a like like a I don't know 
45 how degree do you, or how something. How do you feel about the fact that they just reformed the core of G2 that existed like five years ago? <laughs> I feel like that's fucking amazing, honestly. It's the G2 super team. <laughs> but, you know, French Counter-Strike's won two majors across the years. You know, we we had uh, we had two rosters. Happy was in, was happy I mean, in both of them. nine years ago, remember? <laughs> ah, shit. All right. Well, we <laughs> are happy old. comes back, it's, it's done. That's all, the answer. All of these Scandinavians can just pack their shit again. It's the deagle coming <laughs> out. It, he's going to fuck it, everything up. So it actually feels a bit what? similar to the, Swede the Swedish scene a few years back, what's happening okay. now in the French scene. It's sort of, they couldn't get it like, really good team together now they're spreading out and i uh, well i know what happened in the swedish scene it's very easy to get into this sort of well, yeah but we just need to change a few players i'm going to move to that lineup now it's going to work and all of a sudden you're in this big mess and no one is good anymore everyone that's, that's sort of what it feels to the, the french scene they have they have sai Wu, right that kind of helps does help that's that a good start but good, it also you just need a once in a 10 year prodigy for your country and then you're kind of relevant if you import like three different players and a different coach from a different country and you're like ah we're doing good guys but yes. isn't it fucked like you think about it the polish scene the french scene and the swedish scene are all in the bin and they're all like at the top like in early csgo they're all like pretty much in the bin but there's lots of teams there's lots of players but they're just never the right mix to be like competitive as a core unit. Maybe we're past those days. Maybe there's only international counter right now. Maybe it's all over. Maybe we need to talk about a Dane to NIP. And I'm not talking about S attack. We're talking about config. He's back in the ring. He's, oh, that's a bad reference. Uh, he's, he's, I didn't even mean to do that. I didn't, low I blow. didn't mean to do low that. Blow. Ah. <laughs> he's back in the server. He's, he's, he's back in the game. He's, he's back again. Uh, after the whole phase, the, the whole phase situation that I think we'll call it, uh, to start off the blast, the blast groups. Fuck, I feel like a dick. I actually didn't mean to do that. Uh, <laughs> uh, and now, now he's going to be playing for NIP, which is funny because they have Essatag on the bench still. But anyway, we learned today that Hampus is out. Um, it appears that it it, it could. I, I'm speculating a little bit here, but you know, they said personal issues, so maybe some burnout. I saw some tweets from Jonas saying they're putting their full support behind him. Uh, Hampus obviously was in-game leading and putting up with a lot of the the chopping and changing with all these academy players uh, during the whole device situation. And uh, now that things were just starting to seem to take shape when they got head triggers in Orpa, um, well, he's he's gone. It, it seems pretty classic for NIP threat. And we've got you in as the resident NIP expert for this evening. Did you forecast this one, mate? Well, not really. I knew that Hampus have had some issues before, right? He uh, stood out some tournaments in the middle of last year, right? Um, so I sort of knew that this could always happen. Um, and it's just very unfortunate, you know, because I mean, it's almost become a meme that NIP just keeps changing players all the time, right? Uh, but in the past, well, now it's over a year, right? It's been just a lot of very like bad circumstances over and over again. It's like, I obviously. Config is a good player. Hampus has to step down if he's feeling really bad. Timing just sucks. <laughs> they just can't catch a break. I mean, if anything, this timing is actually not that bad because they're already in kind of a flux, you know? So might as well just do two changes at yeah, the same time. We keep changing time, all you know? the time. So <laughs> why not just it. keep changing? Oh. Do you want the, the number of uh, players that played in NIP, just like in any capacity, two maps or more, uh, from 2020 to, 20, to the end of last year? So in two years. 2020, 2021, 2023 years. Two, three How years. many players played in NIP? I have it ready, so you want to guess? Uh, 
you are one of the players yeah like yeah. oh yeah i actually played pro league oh wow oh uh oh my god it's uh i mean i can't just count them because then i will know it for sure right no, yeah. it's, 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 uh, it's above 10 right yeah 15 players uh, and then if we add like Maxter and EG, free rosters, head trick and config now, that's going to be like 18 uh, in like three in years, and three years, three months. So this is the, the list. Threat, Rolf, LNZ, ZTR, Fuzi, Asset Tag, Twist, Plopsky, Knock, Lecro, Device, Alexi B, Campus, Resin, Brawler. That's like three full lineups. Of, yeah, of like some of them. I mean, Rolf, I think he played like he one played like match. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So it's so just like you. But it. everyone else played like at least like 10 maps, right? Yeah, but, but the thing is, it's not only oh, only the players, right? If you look back at the PGL um, Stockholm Major, um, I mean, I, I was the head coach. Uh, we didn't have trolls. We had another uh, like performance director or mental coach, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and we had Mahone. So we had another analyst as well, That's right? True. Yeah, yeah. So we every, everything just kept changing, right? And it's uh, it's funny how a lot of it is done with like a good reason. Like the things happening now with Hampus uh, is just annoying that it just so happened to happen in a very short period of time, and when it was a meme as well, it didn't make it better. Cool. Yeah, well, let's let's build on this specific and then let's dive into the history this will tee us up nicely to go and then explore like all of your time uh returning to nip in that coaching role so there was the the classic uh hltv jinx striker there was an article that came out uh, not that long <laughs> ago uh with the headline with alexi b was saying i'm paraphrasing here but saying ones of hopefully we don't have any changes for a while uh and then this goes and happens so uh that lasted for a week by the way yeah yeah, and look, obviously this is out of their control. I'm sure the same thing with the device situation. I don't think anybody wanted it to go down the way it did, but that's just kind of the way it went. But let's build on what you said about like this being a good time for this to happen. Config coming in. Now, we know that Hampus likes a bit of aggression, but then he would turn into a bit of a lurky boy, right? Config, he just, he he likes his aggression, and then he's going to bite your head off, right? Whereas Hampus, he'll, he'll come up, he'll jump all over you, and then he might disappear under the couch. You know, you, you lose track of him. Config, he's not that type of player. And then you think you've got a Brolin and a Rez who are also that that way inclined when it comes to rifling, maybe not even as much. So how's this balance going to work? Is it something that you can see? Because I think with the announcement from NIP, we're expecting the next couple of events, hey, Config's going to be there. It feels like they've got him as um, as permanently temporary. No, I think it's Temporary, very permanent, permanent at this point. I mean, from the from the wording that that was that was in the statement, like it's very clear that config is just going to be there in long term. And I even got it confirmed on the side that it is a long term contract. The config is on, so Hampus is just not expected to come come back at any any point point soon. Basically, like for the first part of the season, there's no there doesn't seem to be like any world where he actually comes back into the lineup. It's just at this point they're just counting on config for the very foreseeable future but you see the change here uh prof they're not going with an academy individual they had obviously max to stand in just the other yeah. day but they're going in the direction of of bringing in someone who they know is extremely qualified uh and hungry and yeah. has the ability so th this feels like a move to win yeah yeah but it's also kind of uh playing the market right you don't really have this kind of a player free being a free agent very often so probably in a normal circumstance you wouldn't be able to get him for free and then you'd maybe opt for a academy player or something uh but config being there it's like it's just a matter of time because before someone snaps him up and gives him a shot and especially because like this situation being like campus might come back in a couple of months so even if something goes wrong and obviously config had some like 
out of server issues even if that rises up again then you can always bring back campus at some point right if that's if that's a situation so i feel like they just they play the market well right they it doesn't i don't see how this is a bad move from them in in any direction and they also need as as we just talked about they need some stability not to play for a, with a fucking academy player that has zero experience Bringing and trying to build again, it because yeah. they actually already have them it's head trick they have an academy <laughs> player that has no experience so like that's enough of gambling for for one team yeah i just, I just want to add to that as well right where um a lot of people and comments in the community can easily come like yeah but why do you have a talent team you should just bring them in immediately but the point of a talent team is to bring in someone if you feel like they can perform at tier one, which can happen, right? You, you're, you're not going to do it just because, because you're supposed to do it, right? The A team of any of these uh, tier one uh, organizations will always be trying to become the best. And I mean, we even saw that with Navi, right? With the entire SDY and PL situation, right? You just have to feel it out. You can't just force someone in. It's like a, a mistake I actually think I made uh, during my this two-year tenure as well. Oh, I, I do want to get to that. But before we get there, what do you think this means for uh, S Attack, the super sub who's getting thrown around like a used fucking sausage, mate? He's not he's not getting, you know, he's, now he's playing for FaZe, sure. He just got some glowing reviews from some of the individuals he played with on FaZe. They've qualified for the arena now, but NIP have him on the bench and they're not they're not using him when the opportunity arises. What? How, how do you think this is for S Attack and his future NIP Dunzo? Um, well, I, I, I don't know anything for sure. Um, I, I do think that is the case. I mean, I don't think they want to do any more changes um, because they just wanted an op to remove this attack. And you, you can't forget, like, if they remove Hampus, they lose the, the Swedish core of having three Swedish players, uh, which is a big deal for NIP, right? So mm. um, I think that will also play into, play into this. Okay. All right. Well, let's do this now. Let's pivot. Lucas, do you want to play the bumper for, for YouTube's sake? Do you, or do you, do you want to just transition in there gently? Cause we're going to get, we're going to grow. You want the bumper? All right. Let's, let's put threat in the hot seat. All right, so uh, we've actually brought Threat here today because he was meant to come to the award show, but then he fucking dodged, and Prof wants to grill him live about why he dodged the award show right here, right now, live. We need Threat. some answers. We need right to speak. Now. You need to speak here, mate. It was in Sweden. Why were <laughs> you not there? Can you see coughing? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. He was uh, making sure that no one else gets sick. Uh, we put uh, like everyone else in front of his own needs and desires to be there, right? So I actually <laughs> applaud your uh, your bravery in the situation. Yeah, you went well, right? So yeah, it's a bit. We I liked having all the faces there. It would have been great to have you as well, but uh, we haven't even talked about the award show since we did it. This is our first no, show since the our, award yeah. show. I went in hibernation for like a week. I literally yeah. just like slept twelve hours and uh, ignored the world. It was great. It was it was amazing. I had to disappear Lovely. for a couple. Of I did some. Well. DJL came, um, and I uh, and uh, I flamed him a bit. We flamed them live on on the show. I think for some of the changes, but then also uh, it was a gentle flaming. You know, it was a bit more of like enough, a, it was a, uh, He told me that uh, he. Uh, denied campus from uh, coming to the award show because they need to practice the next day or something it was, it was like kind of a joke thing but uh maybe it wasn't a joke maybe that's why campus is not playing and now he's because he out. got he got upset 
uh, that he couldn't go to the award show and he was just like the FOMO was so strong that he had to like take a break from CS. Wow. I this is an interesting theory that you crafted here. All right, yeah. let's let's get the focus back on threat here for a second. So I just want to give everybody uh a little bit of a history lesson and then we can we can pick and choose where we want to start here, threat. So uh you were coaching NIP back in uh January 2016 to February 2018. Uh you won three international titles back there with the, the team Dreaming Masters Malmo 2016, Dreamhack Open Valencia 2017, and IEM Oakland. Uh, and then you resigned to uh to quote, pursue other things in life. Mm -hmm. Uh then you were replaced by Pitta. You came back uh in early 2020 as uh, a strategic coach. And that was part of where after working as the the, the quote, after working as a, a developer slash data scientist for two years, you felt there's still a lot of things, I still had a lot of CSGO left in me, and that these two years have given me a new, fresh perspective on how to approach the game. I figure if it's a quote, I should make sure I read it correctly. And then then you transitioned and quickly replaced uh, Pitta as the head coach in mid-2020, and then you were there as the head coach uh, up until, well, you're there, part of NIP up until December of uh, of last year. So those are the main the main talking points there. I guess we start with your return. Do we want to start there, Prof? You said you wanted to do some history. Yeah, I think I think kind of just coming back into the team and setting up the new team, right? It doesn't really matter how we got into the team, but that was kind of the start of this whole new NIP with the kind of uh, upper management control of the team. And it led into all of these roster changes. I think the first one that kind of took people off guard was like Lecro leaving the team. And at the time, I think we might have also had you on the, on the show like shortly after that or something. Just yep. uh, kind of how the team started being set up from like a leadership point of view and what your role was in in kind of building this new NIP after Forest and Get Right Right. Okay, so if I if I look back in my entire career, even the 2016, 2017 years, um, 2020 is by far my worst first year as a coach. Um, there's many factors to this, I think. I mean, I joined the team. Uh, we went to Katowice and literally mid Katowice, COVID happened. I don't know if you were there, but yeah, they, yeah. Uh, I, I think they played in the arena, right? But they, uh, no there was no audience. Yeah. Um, so I had to sort of uh, adapt to that new environment. Um, I think I handled it quite poorly, uh, to be honest. And um, that entire first year in some ways was a, a bit of a waste. Um, then sort of coming into the next year, 2021, um, I think the biggest thing we did there was actually bringing in uh, the Young Ninja squad. Not only because we brought in Setior uh, almost immediately, right? But we sort of had uh, a few youngsters sort of like putting a bit of pressure on the A-team. Like we, we, we are willing to pick someone, of you, right? Um, and immediately at the start of that year, this was still during COVID, right? Um, we just had so, like, our results just became so much better. And this is even before we had device. Um, bringing in device in the middle of, like, I think it was May. April, I think. Yeah, uh, that was a shock to a lot of people. I yeah. Mean, we announced uh, yeah. that. Um, we obviously got a lot better because device is a really fucking good player. So, but I, just sort of before that, when we had knock instead of device, we still had like a really good run in pro league. We had a few like really good results, especially considering uh, like Setiar was calling on a few of the maps, and he literally had zero experience in the top. But so, but I mean, that's a good place to start. I mean, yeah. like, how do you 
just go about kind of like bringing in this academy team and then like immediately bringing this guy in and having him even call, you know, it seems like from the outside, it's a really big step. And especially, you know, having that sort of responsibility, you know, that's something that was very heavily criticized at the time. Yeah, so you have to think about the end of 2020. Uh, I just like, it was my worst year coaching ever. Like we had really bad results. I think we ended at like 16th in the world and which was super disappointing because I like uh, really tried to put in a lot of effort that year. Um, so at that point, I sort of regretted that, like, as soon as you feel like this team is not going to work, you need to make a change. Like it's, it's cause you, you can't just force it. Right. And if that change is taking a gamble, I think that is fine. You, I mean, it's better to take a gamble than to do nothing. And you truly don't believe anything's going to happen. Um, we knew we wanted some good energy into the team because the it was like the energy with the like the twist lineup we had the year before was just really poor. It was just a bunch of like old British players. Like most of them were actually very good. We just didn't get anything going. So we just wanted some energy. We brought in ZTR and I, I, I think it was a blast qualifier first, where we we beat Astralis in the first match, I think. If I remember correctly. Yes, that's right. Um, I, I think what happened later and what I noticed is uh, uh, you, you sort of get a honeymoon period when you put in a young player like that because he will add so much energy, but there will be a very big like discrepancy in experience that will catch up with you eventually. And we saw, saw this with CTR because it did start to get like nervous. Uh, it started to happen when we were looking really good and he becomes actually a part of the team. Then he gets the true pressure and he starts performing bad and there's like bad comments written about him. And this really gets to the not so experienced players, right? Um, very interesting to hear like that kind of inverse, uh, inverse kind of logic of the pressure. It's like not the pressure isn't there when you just come into the team because no one's expecting anything. But then after a while, it's like, okay, he's actually kind of okay. And then it's expected to continue in that direction then it kind of starts piling up. I didn't really think about it from, from that point of view, but it also, it does make sense. And, as, and additionally, of course, like people just understand how the player plays a bit more, start to, you know, getting into tendencies and stuff like that. So uh, a lot of the younger players, I feel like get figured out after like a month and things get a lot harder. Yeah, it, it's, it's also a bit on me because if I could have predicted this, maybe I could have preemptively stopped this from happening because yeah. even yourself, when things are going really well, you see that he's performing, everything is going, like you don't even see the problem because it's, it's, like, in, it's like an inverse comes after because you would think that the pressure is playing Astralis for the first time ever, but it's really not because you're literally playing without pressure because you're expected to do nothing in that sense, yeah. right? Um. No, I, 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 I'm following along here. I just, there's, there's so many, like now that we're going over this, there's whole little periods of NIP that just like, I was like, holy shit. Like that was a roster playing for a while. That happened. Yeah. Like, and that was your life. Like you were, you were one of the people having to fucking spin these plates all the time because eventually, and this is reflecting back on it. It was like, how the fuck was this team like still able to be consistently somewhat competitive considering all the changes that just kept, kept happening like this. And this is just one of, the early ones, right? This is, I don't know how you fucking dealt with it, mate. It must have fried the brain. Yeah, I mean, it was really tough. And uh, I mean, the team, it was all on me because I was the head coach. And I think 
when you're actually when you actually own the responsibility then you have to take action and that was sort of the end of 2020 it's very easy to sit on an hltv comment or anything and sort of be like yeah why did you pick that player why did it they change all the time but like in reality like okay were we supposed to keep going like i i i did something drastic maybe it wasn't the right choice and it sort of segues into another change i did which um in hindsight maybe it was too early and i'm it's not like i regret this decision but it's is one that I was like, I wonder what would have happened if I didn't do it. And it's after Flashpoint, because uh, we had some struggles with uh, Eric or ZTR. Mm. Um, and we, we played really well in Flashpoint. We lost to Mouse in the final. And there was an entire Anonimo thing, but let's not get it. <laughs> 40%, <laughs> right? Yeah. 40% loss and still came second. Whatever. <laughs> good names. Oh, God. Some fun times. forgot about. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, obviously, then we changed to, to Linus. And I, I sort of think the way my mindset at that time was I was so scared of letting it become sort of another 2020 where I was way too passive. So I sort of felt like, do I believe this lineup will win? No, we just came second. I, I still had to do it, like because I don't, I, I didn't believe at it at this time. And to this day, like we had some really good runs with uh, with Linus, as we did with Eric. Right. I mean, I th we we peaked even at like the, uh, we were the second best team in the world for a while uh, mm. when we had the Linus device lineup. We were onto like something really good there for a while. Um. But th that change might have been um, unnecessary in the sense, I don't know, like they're so evenly matched, those two players and what they bring. Uh, and we had some experience prior with uh, Eric. Right? So it's, it's, it, that was a, might be the weirdest one I made, I think, looking back. That was a, that was a year when I, I remember, like I think the whole narrative was about NIP was like, there is no reason why they should but they will like they it was like consistently making playoffs and that kind of continued the next year as well of all of these like kind of over performance results of course i guess when device was playing then people actually expected you guys to do well and then you also did win your first tournament and made like major playoffs and stuff like that but especially after device's departure like you still managed to make playoffs and then like also change players every three months um so <laughs> how like how much work was put in into like managing that because i i remember also like some of the campus quotes uh you know about just teaching a new kid all of the smokes and shit every every month and being kind of i don't know if this is a quote or this is like kind of my understanding of, of the thing yeah but, well, but you know that, that is how do you manage to perform <laughs> yeah yeah i actually side quote when uh a side point when campus does an interview is like all of the nip office just like just like <laughs> just like just like this what is he gonna say please no don't comments. say anything no, no comments here turn off the tv and walk away and then <laughs> look, look at twitter if anything pops up damage yeah. control tell me, and tell, speed me about, tell me about putting in like the work and how how you put it together actually with, with all of these changes um I think because I had a very good team behind me as well, like it was very different from the like 2017, 2007, uh, yeah, 2016, 2017 days. Um, we sort of just had a very solid system at that time. I do think we were ahead of the curve 
I would even say I know we were uh, like with most of the top teams. Like we had, uh, we practiced against like young ninjas. We we had uh, had uh, like we really used the scrims to the maximum. I don't really think we played that much compared to other teams. I mean, especially if you look at the early days of like Gambit youngsters who were uh, like absolutely insane. They like 10 scrims a day, a day or something. Uh, I, I just think we were very efficient, and that was not only thanks to me. I think uh, like we brought in Mahone. We can't forget that in the end of uh, 2020 as like one of the most hardworking persons I've ever met, honest. Um, so he helped me a lot during that period with the prep and everything. And I mean, everything we did back then, uh, obviously now is just... Like every team seems like they have a talent team and they bring in someone from that lineup into the A team. Um, obviously, some teams have taken that concept and perfected it even further, right? I think uh, this is a bit of a side note, but I just realized today with the Navi Junior team, you imagine they had Monacy, they had Bit, they had NPL, and they had Hedrick. Yep. Yeah. You could almost make like an entire tier one player lineup, right? From the just their uh, talent team, so that did help a lot. That we ha we had that system behind. Yeah, uh, well, that's yeah. that's one of the things that's like broken out, right? And NIP was definitely one of those uh, teams who were, I don't want to say leading the charge, but definitely very involved in, in that time. And we saw you guys have, have done a lot of promotions up and down as well with, with all of that, and you saw it in varying successes. The one that I want to kind of quiz you about a bit more is the whole data science side of things, because I know Valens, I think he's he he's experienced in the same type of stuff, but I, I don't know what that means. Like as far as Counter-Strike goes and data science, and, and what are we talking about here? Are we just talking about like really breaking down the stats to see where players like weaker or stronger? Like what, what are we, what is, what's the application here in, in modern day Counter-Strike? That's a very tough subject. I, I do think most teams overdo it or they use it in like, as you said, like for players and they make it, too much of a, I don't know, the English were like the micro thing. Whereas I, I do think you can use a lot of data science when it comes to sort of the macro level of the game. And I, I do think we can see that with a lot of the CIS teams where you can sort of, if we start like starting to save ST, even a situation which seems really weird when you're watching the match, but if you like start really thinking about it in the bigger span over tournaments, what that will mean is like how many sort of weapon rounds could we uh, maybe get over 10 tournaments if we start making this decision, even though it goes against like nature current, playing current CS. Meta, current meta CS, right? Yeah, current logic. Okay. Do you have any examples of that that you can share with us? Uh, yeah, well, I know I'm putting become... you on the spot here, but I'm I'm actually very interested because the application of this stuff to me, like I think with what you're saying here, what you just set up in that tiny little snippet, like I I'm still the the caveman. Like this is Counter Strike and this is how we do it. But the, these this data helping make more informed decisions, I imagine. Well, it, it's not like Moneyball if you've seen that movie. It's it's we ha maybe we will get to that point. I don't know. Maybe I am the caveman when you get like the, the new person that is just ten times smarter, and he will say like, "Yeah, just look at this number." Um, in all honesty, I I think it's it's a little bit of a marketing thing. Like I don't think teams really use it that much in okay. like, unless it's on way way ways that I just said with sort of. Uh, 
the economy, I obviously don't know what other teams do. I don't know what the EG is doing. Um, I mean, what you could look at is rather, okay, we've made some very big changes to the entire setup and to improve our city sites. And over the past six months, have they improved? It's not really more complicated than that at this point for okay. us, right? Because I think if you start delving too deep into these things, it's too easy to get into the trap of over-analyzing. Um, and then you, because there's just too much variance in, in CS. Okay. Yeah. Here's... And not the sample size, I guess, is also not that big, right? Here's something I'm curious about. Obviously, you know, when <clears throat> all these academy changes happened, when those promotions happened, like when we saw the teams do it, obviously, you know, it worked very well only at the time when like it was amazing players that were promoted. You know, like look at Monacy, you know, how he was dominating the academy league completely. Or even like bits at the time as well, of course. I mean, we had the Mouse and XT guys who were really very, very strong in the Academy Leagues. Obviously, you know, Rian just did reasonably well, but they didn't have one super standout player, especially not like among those guys that that, that were necessarily promoted, you know, like they didn't dominate the, the league on an on an individual level. And I think people were just curious about how like what the reasoning was behind promoting them instead of, you know, bringing in somebody new. Like we've seen, for example, this year, kind of like that IP moving in, moving away from just like delving into this, the, the, their academy team and rather bringing in exports from from outside, right? So just, I'm curious about the justification for for going that route instead of, you know, attempting to maybe get another player from a, from a different team or somebody who's free. Uh, you meaning it's young minions or maybe I uh, no? I mean, from the when you made those promotions, like for ah. example, when ZTR came in and then Manel and Z and Fuzi, of course, when when you had that whole situation. Okay, so if you think back to that, uh, those days we were still obviously a full Swedish lineup, uh, and the only really like top Swedes because we we already had Lecro, Forest was Dignitas, and Brawlin and Crims. They were in Fnatic. I mean. Not running out of too... names yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah. like yeah that's and, and that's also when i reached a point where because the, the the swedish scene and if we like at that point uh, you have to think about right we're, we're supposed to be a swedish team we try to make a make a swedish team the best team in the world like how do you do that from that point um even the best players with brawlin and creams obviously they they weren't the best in the world at that point either so Okay, then you sort of have to think outside of the box and you have to take some risks. Okay, and we have to look into newer players. And you might as well do it immediately. And that, that was my logic, right? When I, I brought in ZTR. And uh, funnily enough, if you look at all the results that MIP had past the years I was there now, is um, when we had a young Ninja player, in general, we played a lot better. I mean, that, that's a... Very basic data science. If you look over <laughs> the, the entire years, like even when we had the, we brought in Tag and device, obviously that was a very, very short stint. Uh, but it wasn't like, okay, now we don't have a young Ninja. Now we become super good immediately, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, I'm guessing, you know, the fatty guys weren't an option at the time. You know, obviously we saw Brolin getting, getting bought out eventually, but that was like a year later. Yeah, I mean, you, you have a list of, I mean, Device was obviously on that list, and Brolin, players that if you can get them, get them, right? At, which obviously makes sense, and especially like for Device, who uh, could was fluent in Swedish, uh, it was like a no-brainer. Right. What, what do you... 
Uh, maybe just a quick, quick question yeah. for people that are watching this and they don't really know how an org works. You as a head coach of NIP, how much influence do you have over transfers, like buying out other players? How does, how does, do you have like a wish list? Do you go and ask for a player? Do they turn it down or do you, do they come to you and say like, oh, we can get this player? Like how, how does that work actually? Well, it's exactly how we think it is, right? Because because I am I have the technical knowledge of the game. I will determine how good these players are and how much value they bring to the team. And when it comes to the actual money side, that obviously is on other people in the org. Who, uh, who initiates the? It's like let's go and try to buy Berlin. Like who comes up with? Do you go to them and say like let's buy Berlin, or do they come to you and say what do you think about Berlin? Uh, well, when it comes to ideas, everyone can chip in. It could even yeah. be a player, right? I mean, we, okay. we do talk to the players, not like they're completely in the dark on everything. <laughs> even though it not might completely, <laughs> yeah, well, not completely, yeah. Um, but the actual execution, I mean, in our case, because uh, Jonas Gunderson is like the GM, it is Jonas Gunderson, right? Yeah, uh, for us. But obviously, I had a lot to do with, with it. If if I said, like, there's no way we're picking that player, it would have been very unlikely that he would have chosen. Okay. Was there kind of, I don't want to say like a hard line, but was it coming from the top? Like, hey, we really want to invest in this this academy roster and want to be able to to build the players of the future? Because like that's a long-term endeavor, right? That's not saying you just go, hey, let's start this, shall we? And then you just fucking bin it when if it doesn't work immediately. Like, it's kind of... I don't want to say it's dead in the water now. There's obviously still an opportunity that good players can come through it. Now that the team isn't full Swedish anymore, that integration becomes, well, you guys are fucking fantastic English over there in the in the Nordic region. So it, it, that's really here nor there. But um, it, like returning to the original point I was making here, was, was that for like a top-down line? Like, hey, if we can, can we use these academy guys? Or was it, as you were saying, hey, there was just no one we could get? Because you could have gone international earlier, right? If you really wanted. Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, every time we made a change, we always asked that question if we wanted to do it. Uh, but uh, at that time, we it was only one year in for, for me and actually Jonas as well at that point. So we still wanted to like keep the Swedish identity. identity and I, I think we still believe that we really could do it at that point. And I mean, I, I, there's still a part of me that do believe in Swedish CS eventually. Um, it just needs to get a bit more organized. Uh, so we, we get more players, but I think when we decided to go international, it's just when it reached the point of, okay, well, it's very basic in the sense of, okay, we need an offer. That, that, then we sort of reached, okay, how the hell do we do this, right? <laughs> we, we, we were sort of pushed into a corner and you could try to play around with it a lot, but if the true end goal is to win a major, like trying to win a major, it was very hard to justify uh, keeping it switch. Mm, okay. Uh, I, I wanted to, uh, this is, I'm kind of all over the place right now. Um, this is the age old question, right? I guess we can transition because we were flirting with talking about this anyway, but the, the state of Swedish Counter-Strike at the moment, like what's, what's your take? Why is it where it is? What, where have the, the biggest failures, at least from your position come from? Or is that just, Hey, there's just not many good, people who are like good enough to play at the top level of, of Counter-Strike at the moment from Sweden. How, how is, how's the framing from your perspective? It, in some ways, it's hard for me, like, because I'm, I'm privileged in a way where when I've been working with CS, 
I've been working with to take the entire pool of players in the world, like, but in, just in Sweden. And I've only been working in, like, my, as I said, like my worst year. It was terrible. I, we were still 16th in the world. So it, it's, it's really hard for me to know and see all the problems in the lower tiers. Like, maybe, and that's a, a bit on me. Maybe I should have been more involved in that. Um, but in all honesty, I, I, I could just guess what the differences are. Like, the classic answer is like nowadays it's more individual based in the sense where you just play for ELO. We're back in the day in Sweden, we had like a really good community. And I mean, really old people watching this and listening to this who knows IRC. Um, and I think a lot of our good team play and good pool of players came from having that community where you sort of ha maybe you weren't playing in a team necessarily but you always played in sort of the same pool of players instead of just trying to get a higher uh, elo playing with randoms all the time just getting good stats yourself and then hoping to get into fpl or whatever and getting picked up yeah the the reward systems definitely changed with the way that counter-strike seems to be incentivized at the moment like i think yeah i'm definitely old enough to remember the culture that you're talking about right like team-based counter-strike used to be the focus it was just about winning right like obviously having good stats and stuff was good but back when we were playing 1.6 if you the bomb went off or you diffused it you got plus three anyway right so people were always running for diffusers or they were happy to plant the bomb so stats always looked a little bit more inflated um so yeah i think that's like something that's been a, a bit of a, a detriment everywhere but there's eyeballers and there's like the new godsend roster as well and the thing is there's some names in here that we've obviously seen before like plopsky and draken for example and then you've obviously got jw and flusher and co over with the eyeballers project but then it's like about the promise and your boy ZTR is in the godsend roster. There's also Joel. I read on the forums. Apparently he's got a bit of a, um, a decorated history. Um, I don't know anything about his history, but people are saying, you know, he's, he's sometimes, he might've been a naughty boy once upon a time. Do you know anything about him throughout you? Are any of these guys nuggets and any of these going to, you know, we can, we can shine them on down. They're actually a piece of gold. Well, I, I truly believe in Setior, right? I truly believe he can become a really good IGL in a top team. Uh, whether he will bring like glory to Sweden, or if he eventually will end up in an international team as an IGL, I don't know. But, I mean, he definitely has the talent. He's very smart. Uh, I mean, he still just needs some more experience, and um, it's quite difficult to be the IGL when you're younger than everyone else. True. Right? Yeah. Hard to get that respect. Yeah, and regarding to both Godsent and uh, Eyeballers, it's, um, I mean, I don't believe with the current iteration of their lineups, any of them going to make it into the top 20. And I truly, when I say this, I truly mean it. I hope I'm wrong about it. I truly mean it. Um, but it, it's just not maybe too many old players. But, but in some sense, like if I look at Godsend, I, I believe in Setiar. I still believe in Plopsky. I just think he was the wrong fit at that time for us because he had some like first year in 2020, my, the bad year. He was the one that stood out to me that entire year, right? So I do think he, he has a, a spot in tier one. And I mean, Joel, I don't know much about him, but it's, it's a sort of the same thing when we brought in Setiar. I'd rather gamble on Joel than bringing in um, some old players that's all already been tried in sort of uh, not gamer legion but you, you know what i mean like the gamer right, legion right. kind of teams. yeah yeah that so is what, what, do you, what do you think went wrong with plopsky because that, that's exactly what i was gonna ask before you went there anyway 
because as you say, like at the beginning, we thought, okay, this might be the next big Swedish player. Like he really did well in his first year with an IP, but then suddenly like the team was doing better, but not him specifically. And, and I feel like a part of it that I thought had to do with his roles just changing and him not just being in the aggressive positions that he used to be. I'm curious, what's your take on that? I think it's both. Uh, obviously, he didn't always have the positions he, he wanted to, to have. But at the same time, I think I made a mistake. I should have pushed him a bit harder in trying to learn because he was so inexperienced. And you, when you're sort of that early in your career, you sort of have to try to learn all the positions. You, you can't immediately in your career, like, I'm going to be an entry fragger and then not do anything else. I, I always told... Uh, when I coached Young Ninas and even the Impact team, this right where if, if you picked a like simple right, he's going to be better at, uh, than you at all positions, and that means like even if you're specialized in this, um, like he's still going to be better than you. So like that, the earlier you are in your career, the more you have to be open to try things out. And I think that's a mistake a lot of young players do that they immediately become they, they okay. I'm just going to be good at holding monster and overpass or be the the lurker and the further you get into tier one actually i mean even you guys have an article about this where like the entry fragger role is is like literally dying as well and when you come back to plopsky right that is actually on me a bit because um i i was the one coaching him and i should should have pushed him harder and even if i look back in my entire coaching career i think uh, now that I had like uh, one or two months to reflect on this, something I was really bad at was making players better. I, I was always good with making the most out of the players I had in a team sense. I mean, we can talk about back to the, the lineup you talked about, right, chat with the ZTR knock lineup, where yep. which I do think like we truly overperformed. Um, but I never really like pushed someone to become even greater. And I mean, I, I had Ress, who is very, very talented. Um, I mean, I mean, it was also part of my old experience. Like I was work used used to work with like Get Right and Forest. I played with them, I coached them. Um, like teaching them these things wasn't necessary. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you, you what you're saying is like you improved people, you improved teams, like as teams, not as individuals essentially like not, not improving the individual game but you're kind is... of looking at the macro right so you're looking yeah. at like how can we win this round like what is what can we do what strategy is good like what move is good as opposed to how can i make this player better better at decision making in this thing or how can we make it so that he, he's putting himself in positions where his aim is better right like those guys that's that's a hard thing to do that's like because you're you kind of have to be living and breathing what that player is is doing individual, then you've got five people, then you're thinking the overall game plan, then you're working on strategy and stuff. And it's it's and and this role is still being defined literally every single day that people do it. Like we we are seeing the Counter-Strike coaches learn to become Counter-Strike coaches. This is not something that existed all that long ago, right? So it's still a quite a quite a new I don't want to say it's not a new industry, a new field that we have in Counter-Strike that's been explored. Boys, I want to bring in a bit of humor here just quickly. Lucas, I want you to bring up this video. And I think I may have identified, guys, what's wrong with uh, uh, with Swedish Counter-Strike. Now, this was from an ES Portal game I was playing. And I watched this guy's crosshair placement. Tell me if you think he's legit, boys. Tell me what you think about this here, all right? So, come in mid. All right. Uh, oh, 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 the cross the cross is locked on the head through the wall. <laughs> and, oh. 
Oh, um, so we may have identified what's wrong with Swedish Counter-Strike. There's people fucking smurfing and cheating in ES Portal. These are some Swedes. We lost to a five stack. Look out, look at the score. 13 fucking 12. Fucking he livid. Just, uh, he just livid. pre-aimed you. He just pre-aimed you. Livid. Absolutely Matt livid. Red. Like you're probably doing that boost like seven rounds in a row. There was no Actually. boost. There's no boost. I don't Normally know. Normally we're only oh, sending one point. guy top mid on the default. Look at the crosshair lock, man. Uh, I don't know, man. Maybe, uh, yeah, maybe just get better. Uh, before we, I think, I feel like we're going towards like uh, leaving NIP and stuff. I oh, think we don't there's... have to leave, man. No, we we're safe. If you want to leave, we can leave. Where, where do you want to go? <laughs> Take us where you want to go. I, I, Drive you the know, bus. I'm, I'm down with the vibes, you know. I'm just like a vibe surfer. Uh, a vibe you know surfer. Me. All right, like the silver yeah. surfer, but on vibes. I actually yeah. have one thing that I wants to bring up here regarding NIP. There we go. Because, Let's go. Uh, uh, it's actually regarding sort of the meme that became like this is about the narratives that can be created by the community and like how weird they are and how they over time become sort of they just grow. And the, the idea was that obviously we we brought in DJL to fix our T sides because our T sides was poor. Okay. I don't know if you were into <laughs> this. That was a thing, yeah. They were pretty bad. They were pretty uh, well, bad. well, well. It depends on if you like. Yeah, sure. If you zoom in to like the last few months of the year, yeah, yes, that then I agree. But like, just to sort of uh, add some context to this, um, I think it was the end of August in Pro League. Me and uh, Mahone was still on the, on the team. We had like a panic meeting because our seat sites were so poor, and we could only get rounds on the T side. <laughs> and then we sort of forgot about our T-sides. We had like two bad tournaments uh, on our T-sides. That becomes the narrative. <laughs> and then we change. And eventually, like six months later, it becomes like, yeah, but they always struggled on the T-side. And then it becomes like NIP has always struggled on the T-side. <laughs> and it's like, what? And I just, I just sort of have to get it off my system because it's always when, when I hear it, it's like, yeah, that's like we were not that good, but like that's not really the case. It's just such a weird but, thing. Uh, did DJL improve the T sides? Yeah, yeah he... he did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, Are you responsible for this narrative, bro? <laughs> I think I think Maui pushed the DJL T side uh, narrative very hard. Like, but like I saw it as well. I think Overpass Wasn't there especially. A quote? There was a quote or something even. I think it's Overpass like... especially. But I also remember like casting DJL when he played with uh, Chaos, maybe even um, back in the day with Plesson and uh, Relaxa Freddy Frog, and their T sides on Overpass was great. Like he was playing, he was good. And uh, then he came into into NIP coaching NIP, and I'm like, I'm feeling I'm feeling the chaos vibes here. This is uh, <laughs> DJ Lamborghini destroying everyone. But it was uh, it was a nice it was it was a thing. But I like the uh, I think what we need to do though, like th we asked this a couple of people, but then people don't remember. We should put this as like a standard part of every show. Is like please address some. Misconceptions, yeah, yeah, just like these misconceptions that you have that people talk about that annoy you to to hell. Uh, I love that. I love we should that. we should make it a sponsored thing. Maybe that's the that's the yeah. next thing we should we should bring up here. Yeah. All right. What if we get it? We get we get a cleaning sponsor and we can call it Coming Clean. Right, <laughs> and that is, no, you don't like that one, bro. Yeah, you mate, what you thing? have the most sexual mind out of any motherfucker I think I've known in my thirty. At this point, our libido should be going down the bin. Our testosterone starting to go. Our hair's starting to fall out. 
this is where we should be coming, you know, less worried about the the sexual connotations behind everything. And you're still like a 16-year-old schoolboy. Listen to you, mate. <laughs> Fucking hell. We're all adults here. You just need to get some vitamin D or in the sun and then everything's fine. That's how it is. Um, I wanted to talk about talking about these. These uh, nuts. Not, not this. <laughs> Like the, this is, is a new, new level. This is, you know, you know when it, when it's tired and it's tired, it's late and kids are tired, and then you just you think that's just me like right now. Become delirious. This is like the whole podcast. It's like 10 p.m. We're fucking boomers. Like ah, uh, well, someone said I'm looking down. swollen. So and I think I am. I think I I'm think looking he's a bit swollen. Thinking, I think he's trying to say swole. Like you're no, I don't, definitely not that. My yeah. face is all fucking. Anyway, uh, uh, well, where are we going, Prof? I'm, I I'm wanted to talk about Captain Derailer. Device. Mm-hmm. We didn't talk about device. We need no, to talk kind about of a big a deal. Uh, kind of a big deal because this is actually. I'll start with this simple question: When you signed the device, did you say? Did you think like this is it? We're gonna win a major with this team. Yes, uh, I really thought so, and um, especially when we had a really good showing at Flashpoint. And everything leading up to IM Fall, like we sort of fell off a bit in Cologne and Pro League, where we had the, the panic city meeting I just talked about. <laughs> yeah. uh, but at IM Fall, um, I, it just felt so good with that lineup with Device. Like he's just such a talented player when he really puts in the effort. Um, like, which actually makes the loss versus G2 one of the toughest losses in my career. Right? It, it, it hit me really hard losing that match. Even though it's like, yeah, we made playoffs. We had that epic match versus Copenhagen Flames. But if you think about where we were before that tournament, we were the second uh, ranked second in the world. And I think at that point, we kind of deserved it. We had beaten a lot of good teams. Uh, I mean, you won. I am. Um, was it winter? Was it right, fall or winter? Winter, yeah, winter. Winter. It was actually was after the. It was actually yeah. actually yeah. after, and it was during that tournament. Uh, obviously, the entire uh, issue with device happened. That's uh, right. And we, we brought in another young minion. We brought in uh, Fusi. Yeah, Fusi, exactly. And we we managed to beat G two with Fusi. Um, and we got stomped by Vitality three zero. Like like it was three zero. A few of the maps were really close. Uh, man, I sort of here uh, take with off there talk about yeah. device, but yeah, device was like I, I truly believed we would win a major with him, and he is. I don't know how good he is now because he has been a year away from the game, but still, at that point, is uh, he's the best player I worked with. Yeah, that's some that's some high praise right there. You worked with a lot of. You just mentioned like uh, obviously get right and forest and stuff before, but I guess yeah, devices of a of a bit of different generation, different breed. What's uh, what's the difference between like forest get right and device? I guess forest and get right are also very different to each other. But like what the, because this is a big thing to say. Well, why does device stand out? I, I think device because that, that's a cool thing about having been able to not only uh, played with worked with a lot of these players is they all three have. So much talent. There's like, especially get right in force in their prime. Like when I played with him in 1.6, I almost felt like, okay, I'm actually good at this game. It was hard to know because he could literally like triple entry. I mean, back in those days, you could literally carry a team. Uh, but I think the difference between get right and force and devices, they they had 
the same amount of talent, but device sort of had the structure in its life, is working really hard, um, and that made it work for him. And maybe if uh, Force and Get Right were born later, yeah. maybe they would have had the same uh, career as a device. But that's how I see it, at least, because they're all all of those three is obviously the best ones I worked with. They're all as talented as each other, but Device just had better work ethic. Yeah, that that kind of makes sense because you can see that like how over time more and more of this uh, regimented style and approach to the game and and what people are getting out of that. And Device always seemed like he took that serious. Uh, well, Astralis took that serious, right? They were the ones who kind of initiated that that blueprint to get to to where they were. So okay, so uh, look, we we can start to kind of let's do this. Let's do this. Let's float right now. Let's get into skin, you know. Let's give away a skin. The people at home, they're they're gagging for some freebies right now. So we'll do the quiz, okay. and then I'm sure we're gonna have more stuff that's gonna crop up that we want to ask Thread about, right? Because right. it's a long, it's a long period of time. We're gonna jump into talking about blast stuff. There'll be a bit of NIP conversation. Maybe we can find some questions that will relate to how modern things are. Anyway, I'm rambling right now, Lucas. Let's get into the fucking quiz, all right? Uh, Thread, you remember how this works? Uh, yeah, you asked me a bunch of questions and I answered them. <laughs> yeah, five questions, multiple choice, uh, different tiers of skins on the line, and the people at home type bit skins in chat right now uh, to, well, and enter the raffle, uh, I suppose, to put their name in the draw. Now, Prof, the questions tonight, what's the theme? Uh, theme is an IP. Okay, good theme. Makes oh. sense. It really makes sense. You've given him hard questions then, I hope. You really turn the heat up on this one? Uh, I'd say, like, kind of average. Okay, average. Now, uh, if you do need, we do have our resident brain striker standing by. Uh, you, he's kind of like phone a friend. So if you if you need if you need any help, uh, within the thirty seconds you have to answer each question. Uh, you can you can give him a little tap on the shoulder and see if he can contribute here. All right, let's get into who wants to be a skinnionaire. Brought to you by Bitskins. Question number one. There we go, mood lighting. Uh, who has the most maps played for NIP in CSGO? 1,627 maps played. Is it A, Get Right, B, Forest, or C, Res? Uh, it's either Forest or Res. I, like 2015 to 2000, oh, sorry, 2012, of this five years. I mean, surely it's wow. got to be. Yeah, it's gotta be forest. Yeah, it's gotta be forest. But yeah, it feels like a trick questions where it's like you think it's forest, but I'm gonna say forest. It's, it feels if it is a trick, prof, you're a fucking devious individual. Not that here. long that he left, so I feel like that the early stages must have made up for res in the late stages, right? And he leave like three years ago already. Yeah, right. I mean it's yeah. a fair amount, yeah, sure. Yeah. But he was there for a long time. So we've locked yeah. in B forest, and the correct answer is be forest. All right, a safe one that yeah. felt like a trap. Well, I think Res has prop? like over over a thousand, but it's not that close. I don't okay. think so. Okay, yeah. really. <laughs> All right, let's get into question number two. DJ and Hampus played together in which team? The uh, Jalapenos, Tricked, or Godsent? Uh, well, well, it's not Tricked. I, I, I'm going to say Yapolino. Uh, and we're going to lock lock it in. That's A, the big A, and the correct answer is A. All right, two from two. Feeding through it now, picking up some momentum, turning the bend not into question. Not too hard, right? No, no. not so far. But usually, he's been putting some real fucked up questions in lately, Threat, so you've gotten lucky this time. Question number three. 
Which one of these former NIP players didn't join Dignitas? Lecro, Twist, or Exist? Uh, twist. Bang. Locking it in. B, Twist. Correct answer is... Ding! Twist. Hey. All right, all right. Yeah, fuck. Because I was gosh. coaching at that time, so it would have been really weird if I didn't know <laughs> it. <laughs> Just transferred. All right, yeah, he's gone. All right, question four. Oh, hold up. Halvor in the chat. He did play for us, though, in one tournament. Uh, that dun, doesn't dun, count. Dun. Okay, that doesn't all right. Count. All right, all right. Uh, question four. Whose team is currently higher, higher ranked? Uh, number, whose team is currently highest ranked? Number 37. Norks, Fozies, or ZTRs? I'm going to oh. say Fozies. He's in Sangal, right? Uh, yeah, Norks exactly. Because they had, like, a decent stint at the... Um, Ryu Major? They the had some good games. Well, they made it to the RMR. And yeah, they did yeah. pretty well there. Four too. months ago. Yeah, yeah but now are you talking him out of it? But it's still like Apex and Godsend. Well, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna still going to guess Angle. Like out of those three, right. I think that is the best guess. All right, locking in Fozzy with Sangal. This is a tough one. because I think Apex didn't do guess. super well so recently, so I think it's got to be Sangal. Correct answer is. Oh, it is Apex, okay. really. Knock over with Apex. Almost in the top 30. Let's go. Yeah, I have to check him. Well, they added... They actually won some games. They added the new boy, (laughs) Kixon, right? We spoke about him. I was watching some of their games. Um, That's 47 for Sangal. Macedonian. North Macedonian. Sorry to all of the Greeks. I don't know. That part of the world, I'm not going to apologize. I don't know what's going on half the time anyway. (laughs) Europe, it's fucking... It's a small place. Europe's a small place. Let's not pretend it's big. Let's not... As long as we don't include... Just call them all European players. They're all Europeans. You're yes. all fucking Europeans to me. All right. Uh, question number five. To win their last notable trophies, MIP beat who in the final? Was it Ents and SK, Ents and FaZe, or Vitality and Fnatic? Oh, okay. So, yeah. well, if, it, if you're ah, counting okay. I am full, it's Ents and uh, then it's FaZe, because FaZe is the one in Oakland, obviously. Those That's are the two I'm... tournaments, so... I okay, yes. all right. Yeah, so I'm going to say Anson face. All right, we're locking in B, and there's some confidence behind this one. Correct answer is B. All right. Yeah, I mean, we'll I, go... I coached them in the face final, so... There you go. <laughs> you know this. There you go. We got four out of five. Not too bad. And one lucky winner at home will be taking home a $15 skin. So, Lucas, draw the winner. Put it in TeamSpeak. Let me mispronounce it. It's half the fun. Uh, you're, like Coca... a Starbucks, you're like a Starbucks barista, man, at this point. Coca-Cola Bunny. Did I get that one right? Coca-Cola okay. Bunny? That, that was pretty, was pretty easy. easy. Yeah, I know, but I could have been like cacao, cacao, you know, I could have definitely stumbled over. I could have made Starbucks it. Starbucks would have fucked it. it up, I can tell you that. So, well, we got it. We've got it. All right, our uh, people are going to reach out to your people and we'll get you the skin. Are we, talking, are we asking Threat about his plans? Well, right now we're going to go to an ad break, Prof, because we're oh, over an hour into okay. the show. Goodbye. Lucas is going to like, hey, Sorry, run, some, run some fucking ads, Chad. Run the fucking ads, man. Run the fucking ads. Run the, run the ads, Lucas. <laughs> Let's go. The XtraFi M42 RGB. What a fun mouse with five colorways, lightweight frame and just 59 grams with a swappable backplate to suit your grip style, the sensor, the easy cord, the smooth skates and driverless control for RGB and DPI is why you should check out the M42 RGB down below. Finally. I found what I was looking for. Now that my search is over, it's gonna be a tough choice. But fortunately, no need to choose.
when you can just have them all. Buy and sell skins on bitskins.com. Do you feel it? N1Bet comes to brighten up your world. Play anytime, anywhere. Just go to n1bet.com and get your bonus with promo code HLTV. High odds and fast payouts. Playing is a pleasure when everything is clear. N1bet.com. Your bet, your game. And you wouldn't know it, but Prof and Threat both went for a quick little break and both returned with plenty of goddamn time. So thank you for bearing with us through the ad break. Thank you for hanging out. And right now, Threat, well, we got some important, some call, some important business here to tie off. We, we got to ask about what the future holds for you, right? Because we spoke about your time at NIP. We spoke about, uh, well, some of the different trials and tribulations that you went through. But now you're back on the market. And uh, I believe that uh, here it is, you as part of when you departed, uh, you implied that you were looking to get back into coaching, saying that he has missed working closely with a team and having a more direct impact. So uh, what what does the future for threat have on the horizon? Okay, so first regarding that, that uh, comment itself, um, it's actually one of the reasons I decided to, um, uh, well, step down and it was sort of a mutual thing. Uh, whereas sort of from August, uh, September, when we brought Alexi in, uh, the idea was that I was supposed to move further away from the teams and have more sort of a bird's eye view over them. I worked that way and sort of I, I was a bit behind this, but eventually I started disagreeing with this uh, and that eventually led to what happened. And, and, uh, so it doesn't necessarily to be like, hey, I have to be the head coach. Um, but I do think that's where I will have the most impact. And I, I really miss it, the help of teams. And it's uh, one thing that actually triggered this was the, the addition of Anubis in the map pool. Uh, and it just frustrates me still that I can't uh, like deep dive into it and like see that work put into a tournament and it works, right? That's like the best feeling I know. Uh, I, I guess if people don't really know too much about your like history as like an in-game leader or a coach, like a lot of the things that you were praised for was well thought out, like mega geeky, perfect executes, right? Like that all the, all the mollies would land, the smokes would be great, the flashes would be there. And when a new map comes out, that's the stuff that's exciting, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's uh, going back to that as well. That's a very good point. Because I think back to the narrative parts, I think throughout my <laughs> career, that's our, those are the things that stand out, like, oh, you will remember the cobbled smokes or my Molotov. Yeah, I was yeah, the Molotov thing, which is funny because I, I literally call the Molotov strat in spawn. Oh, yeah, we, okay. yeah exactly. <laughs> and it, it's like, not a, I literally said, like, you Molotov MBK, you Molotov quad, uh, you Molotov um, uh, forklift from door, you take left side, I take right side. That, yeah, they got a stack A or something. I said it like that. And then it became sort of that throughout my entire career. And like, I do like uh, nerdy executes. I do think nerdy executes has a role in the game. But my preferred style, or not my preferred style, the way I truly believe you have to play CS is more, I don't know if it's boring, but like the default heavy style. Because even if you remember back to the 2016 NIP, you have the, the meme about you don't pay cash uh, versus us exists at it because yeah. we love playing cash. We love playing super slow. And you could like see what we did in demos. We took mid control and we defaulted and 
people still couldn't stop us, right? Because that's always been my preferred style. With the sort of executes being more of a like, you have to use them uh, like a like with precision, like a surgeon. Like you, you have to time it perfectly, because otherwise you look like a fool. You will execute, be on overpass, and everyone will die in a second. And... <laughs> yeah, yeah, they know you're coming, right? You 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 just look stupid. Yeah, I think um, like the, the team just for viewers that haven't been around. It was like 2014, 2015 when the team Acer team was was playing. That was like your last competitive team as a player, right? In CS:GO. Yeah, no, I I have to add to this, and it, this is not like bragging. It's rather that well, people just don't try new things because at this point, people won't believe it. Still, when I say this, at that point in the game, there were like people didn't really use Molotovs. They were. And buying them on an anti-eco was seen like, why would you waste so much money on this like super funky grenade on an anti-eco? People really thought that. And it's like crazy when you think about it today, right? Mm. And it's like $400. It's like $100 more than a smoke, right? So that was just crazy. The people like, oh, they bought five Molotovs on an anti-eco. They're like, you're crazy. And today it's like, (laughs) this is the most hundred thing ever, right? And um, the, the most safe thing to do, but yeah, I think I think your style for like newer viewers would be most similar to like big and not even big today, like big when they didn't have that many great players, like when they still had like maybe like a Titian and maybe a Legia even coming in, like that kind of a that kind of a team that was like super nerdy, had all these like super smart things figured out, that not the best players available because you're the second the third best swedish player swedish team right so you didn't really have any of the fanatic or nip guys it was just like kind of the the leftovers some of the, like the older players and some of the newcomers that i don't think anyone really broke through i don't know who you had in the team who was like it was like crystal good. at the time yeah. crystal sneal yeah. uh yeah. and uh Nico, uh, the Swedish Nico. This is like one point. That's like like yeah, really one point six. One point six product, yeah, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I still actually have one the, the, the jersey of that team Lions on my wall in another room because uh, that was like one of the teams that meant the most to me because I think I, that's where I learned the skill of making the most out of the players we had. Right. Uh, that was never going to work because the famous sucked for poor Neil, right? So yeah, <laughs> it was it was never going to work. No, I mean, oh, I miss the, the burst farmers so much from 1.6 Gs. It was so nice. But actually, coming back to the, the point of uh, uh, like being similar to Big, like I, I would definitely agree with you uh, up to my second stint, because then the game had changed so much. Um, and I do think I evolved as a coach during that time as well, where where teams anti-strat so much to look at each other, you, like just making a very funky execute or something too nerdy because people will steal it after the first time you use it. Yeah. It's like, then that's sort of what I mean. Well, like you have to look at the effort you put in over a lot of tournaments. So like, if you have a good execute, you really need to use it at the most important time in the tournament for it to make any sense whatsoever. Right. Mm. Uh, I mean, it still kind of works. We had a lot of funky executes and at I am fall because that was just when you could start uh, dropping grenades. Right. Yes. Yeah. but other than that, it's uh, it's so much more based around the economy now as well, and that's something I, I do still feel like a lot of teams don't master, and the CIS teams out outperforms the other teams so hard in that area. Hmm. I'm uh, curious about you mentioned something you know about your departure, obviously the kind of like a disagreement leading to to you kind of like taking a step back and then eventually leaving. Um, you. 
care to speak a little bit more on that? What, what exactly what was it that you didn't like about the direction of the team? Well, it's just a very simple answer. I just thought I should have more direct impact mm. with the team. Um, and the other side of that, which I understand is, then there will be too many chefs in the kitchen, uh, right? Especially when you brought in Alexa B, I, I actually struggled to find my place. Um, even though I've always wanted an IGL that takes a lot of space. Um, maybe I do take too much space in some sense, I don't know. Um, but it, we, we just couldn't find a good fit. And that was sort of the, the part we disagreed on. And it's uh, absolutely didn't end on bad terms. So looking at the future, uh, do you have any anything in the works right now? Because you look at the teams like Heroic have exist. G2, uh, they've been making some statements recently that they're staying with Swanee. They don't want to kind of ruin what they have at the moment. Phase with Roban. Uh, Liquid have Daps. Outsiders have Dustan. Plus, I don't think you speak Russian. Um, so that could be a bit of a problem. Same with Furia. Uh, Maus, they've got their their coach locked on in. Navi's another. Vitality, they're pretty secure in their position. So... You know, where where may we see threat in the future? Are there any any options out there at the moment? I mean, I've had a few discussions with some orgs, but I haven't really it hasn't materialized. Uh, in some ways, I do want to wait until I find something I, I really want this time. Because um, sure, like I've been back and forth. Like, do I want to coach? I coach. I stop coaching. I do something else, and I start coaching, and then I stopped again. But the thing is, I've only coached, uh, I've only been in Swedish team, I've only been in NIP. Um, and I just really want to find uh, the best fit, because I, I do truly believe I could have a big impact if I get a really good lineup. Uh, and it would be very nice if I could manage to get a major before I uh, end my career, finally, because I haven't managed that. I've been close <laughs> a few times. Um, so that, that's sort of what I'm, I'm waiting and see and if it doesn't okay. happen then it doesn't happen then i will what i mean find something else i'm gonna throw this out there you know we'll we'll get the we'll get the billboards up there we'll get the the, the notice board up so so everyone can read let's say that you don't have anything uh secured by the time that the blast paris major rolls around you know do, would, would you want to go jump on a blast desk and speak from your your position of uh you know being a recently moved on coach from nip and and talk with all your insider knowledge at the at the major about all the counter-strike things would that interest you yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's something I really want to stay relevant in whatever way I can. And just doing something like this um, makes me like show that I, I still care and I, I still watch all the games. I'm still up to date with like the current meta and everything because I know that can be a worry if someone's been on a break for a very long time. This thing changes so fast, especially if you're the coaches and you like you really have to know the nitty gritty on like every all of the maps, right? Uh, so yeah, any way I can stay relevant is just uh, something I would want to do. Um, but when it comes to like actually joining like a head coach position, I mean, I'd rather. I mean, if I don't find the thing I really want, then that's the way it is, right? Because mm -hmm. uh, at this point, it's uh, either that or I, I don't think I, I will get back to it. Okay. When you when you made that decision, right? You know that was at the time where. You know, G2 just just released their coach, you know, or at least the, the X Tiles decided to to step down, right? You must have thought, like, what if, you know, what if they come to me and, and ask me? Yeah, of course. Of course uh, I did. But it's it's also this thing where they finally win a tournament. 
I, I would also be like, are you really gonna change this, this, this now? I mean, if they have a lot of more bad tournaments, they uh, I go to the uh, Paris major working at the desk, which had then they I don't know they lose at that major and then they ask that would make more sense to me actually. Mm. Fair enough. Well, that, that would be that would be a team that that's a good lineup, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, they have a realistic lineup right now. I mean. It seems like Hooks is really doing a really good job. He's the only one I don't have that much data on, but uh, experiencing playing Copenhagen Flames, especially the match with of them versus the major, them right? the, yeah, the major. Man, it's funny. I, I can't watch the VODs in that match because uh, it's like PTSD or something. <laughs> 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 yeah, it, it's it's horrible. Help. I think I drank like five liters of water during the um, the last ancient map. So there was like an admin who just kept giving me water and <laughs> like I couldn't say anything and I just had to find something to do because I literally couldn't clap my hands and the, the thing I could do was drink water. They allowed me to drink water, right? Okay, no. I just kept drinking <laughs> water. Information, man. Yeah, uh, that was not uh, a signal to go B or something. One, one, one swig go A, two swigs go B. Yeah. If he gurgles, <laughs> the, if he gurgles the water, they're on eco. If you piss your pants, save the gun. <laughs> oh, God, good. It's Jesus. worth it for the for the oh, for dear. W. Uh, All right. One quick question. Yeah. Uh, would you rather uh, build a team from scratch or join an existing team? Um, I, I I can't choose any of this. It just completely depends on the players because I, I don't okay. really prefer any of those. Hmm. Like in some ways, maybe building a new team is more interesting because then I can have more impact directly. But it's also very nice to have a system in place and everything. It's a it's a lot of pros and cons with both. Okay. Now we have some like new organizations potentially looking. TSM has been saying, being out there saying on, that they're. When they're sponsored by FTX? Yeah. yeah well, whatever fuck. the fuck. I mean, they're who knows? Fuck Don't worry about them, mate. They're every, everyone's gone under. All the crypto sponsorships are gone. We're all screwed. All of our careers are done. It's all done. This is our last year. Doom and gloom. I'm joking, everybody. Uh, but yeah, but look, and but then it becomes who's he going to pick? Who are you going to who are you going to pick from at the moment to make a team from? Like, there's there's so many. So many qualms in that regard at the moment as well. Now let's let's jump into some of this blast stuff. All right, I want to kick off with uh, the M1 moment. We've selected uh, the Cadian clutch, I believe it was. Prof, is that correct for the M1 moment? That is correct. I'm pretty sure. Now we're going to watch this with everybody here, but uh, as we know, Cadian's you know he's loved to pull off a couple of mental clutches uh, in his time, and this one here is just another where it's such a late round situation and I love kill this after video, kill. By the way. Sorry? I really like the view of like where you see the player, you know? Oh yeah. And, and this is great. Like we've spoken about this a couple of times on the, the show before. I know I've mentioned it a, a bunch. This is kind of not this view exactly, but the view from behind the players getting to see their arm. This is how it used to be like an old school lance, right? Where you had, yeah, where yeah, you, you would stand, stand behind, behind and... so you could see how intense it was. And this camera gives you that kind of, uh, Gives you that kind of feeling here, but this clutch is a one v five on Nuke. It was it, like fucking mental. This basically changed the tide of Nuke, and they ended up taking it to three maps, but still faltered there. Um, but this is just what Cadian seems to be of the elite in these type of clutch rounds, right? And you know, we can talk about the context, the pressure of of the blast group stage, whatever. It's not necessarily like a stage game or anything, but it's more the way that he just like kind of surges forward in these clutch. The 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 clear on Spinks in the vent. Yeah. Like when there's like fucking 11 seconds left or whatever it is, like that's fucking crazy. Like how he just like seeks that out, finds that kill. It's it's a fun round to watch. Like this this is fucking this is Counter Strike, you know. This is this is what it's about. It's a very impressive clutch. Yeah, really like that. Any other anyone else have any other words? Just no. do the thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs just, up. 
yeah i really liked it it's so hard when you've been a coach to like only look for mistakes and it's like they see like why would magus peak ramp there but at the same time you have to punish all of these tiny mistakes to make that happen and it's just so yeah. impressive and it's also like, like seconds, you know like a lot of the time like 95 percent of the time probably that's not a mistake you know you just want him to not to have the op you just want to catch him out right but obviously you know yeah the, the ramp shot's huge was that, yeah, that especially the, the the vent one. Like, if you're on site with the bomb, 99% of every play would okay, I have to plant, I have to fake plant yeah. or something. I, I have time for one fake plant. I wouldn't think, I have time to go for a shot into vents with the off. Right? That's, yeah. that's, very that's one of the things that you're holding the angle as the vent player is like, but he's not actually going to peek. You don't no, really think yeah, he's going right? to peek, right? Yeah. When he peeks, he's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> he did peek, man. Yeah. <laughs> so then you just get wrecked and uh, that's it. All right. Now, well, great, great clutch. Yeah, uh, contender for highlight of the year, right? We there. always seem to have them early in the year. Remember that Chris J clutch on train? Like this is years ago now. I yeah. think it was like the ice 1v5. challenge. Or yeah, they, all these type of crazy rounds seem like they come early in the year. Maybe everyone's still got a bit of sleep in their eyes, like me. You know, they're a bit, a bit tired getting out the break. I mean, here. Robs and and Monacy from last year were both like the, it was Katowice really? and really? First stage, events, so yeah. yeah, first yeah. two events as well. Yeah, the KDM right. one v four in pro league as well, right? Well, yeah, really first like, yeah. or second season in the year. Oh, but... Second season, I think. Okay, okay. So was a little was... bit later. A little bit later. Now let's let's jump into to talking a bit about Blast now because we got Blast to talk about, and then we can also use this to kind of preview our expectations for Katowice, which is coming up very very soon. Um, so, Striker, for you so far with the results, and today we've had a couple more teams lock themselves in for the arena event for Blast. But who's been the standouts, and not necessarily just by the results, but who's been like, yeah, okay, these guys are, uh, are delivering to above my expectations coming out of the break. Is there any names I'd sticking say, out? I'd say Vitality and specifically Spinks. I think he's been kind of like a, not. I'm not going to say revelation. Obviously, we know what Spinks is capable of, but he just hasn't been showing it so much with Vitality. Um, I had him in my fantasy, so I was just very keen on, on watching him. And he's been one of the best players of the tournament. Obviously, you know, Blast groups, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's not the most, like, uh, there's not the most pressure. It's not the most, not the most prestigious tournament. And um, it's never... Like historically, blast groups haven't been particularly good at predicting future success. If you look at teams like Big, who have done well OG. at those, OG have done well at those. You know, obviously teams don't particularly do super well outside of that. Um, but still, it's it was a good sign for me that Spinks is finding some uh, some form again because that's I've been looking out for that for for a while. We just haven't seen it so much. He's the question mark, right? Like he he's the one that last year he wasn't performing up to the level that we we know was possible with Ants, and maybe it was just about uh, I guess working into the groove but this is this is good right and just to summarize the results quickly they played astralis in the opener uh and they were able to deal with that bit of a historic matchup there with device back in the server with uh glaive and zip going up against debris and, and megas uh that was a two mapper uh vertigo and overpass and then they took care of business against eg which is what you want to see right like if you want to have some confidence in vitality one of the last things you want to see is a bit of a footfall against eg if i can slap him out of the server 16-1 on inferno and uh 16-11 on overpass and then they had that series against Heroic yesterday that, that did go the distance. It was three maps, but Heroic were coming into this. And again, this is a very uncertain moment in Counter-Strike. We have a lot of teams who are in the contender column, but Heroic were one of the names towards the town of the last year that were looking, were looking good. So this spree of results, Spink's playing well, Zywe's still playing well. This this looks good for, for Vitality here. Did, how do you feel about uh, Vitality threat? Because I think last year, a lot of the summary was they're not living up to their full potential. Yeah, it's weird because that their highest level is very high, but there's just something off with that team. It's even when they win like they do now. I don't know if you guys get the same feeling, but it's like it's not 
doesn't feel as consistent. It feels like there's always a bit of randomness to their game, and it's it always looks a little bit off. And they usually win a bit a, a lot by just individual performances. Uh, I don't know. I'm not convinced by that lineup yet, to be honest. Okay. Um, well, what's it missing, or what needs to change? It, it looks like it's mostly communication, to be honest. Okay. Because they have the players, they have the coach. And I mean, they have players who have played like in very rigid systems, so they understand the game. Um, you can just clear, clearly see that they there's a lot of like small mid-round mistakes, and they get annoyed with each other, and it's like this shouldn't have happened, um, which is very uncharacteristic un- char- char- for a team of that caliber. Okay. I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, but I still get I I feel uncomfortable watching those like mic'd up moments from Vitality still, even from this tournament. It feels so fucking chaotic in terms of like everyone's just yelling something, like repeating comms. It's like the golden days of like NA, you know. <laughs> it's like beep, 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 English beep, will do that like, to you, man. Yeah, that that's how I feel. And I don't know. I guess people get used to it and like everyone when you're in the zone, you kind of, you know, separate this and that, and you know what, what you need to hear, what you don't need to hear. But I still feel like it's, it's, a, bit, it's a bit all over the place in that, in that regard. And uh, like the Heroic uh, Vitality game was very much a hot and cold game in terms of Heroic, uh, not really there. And then everyone from Vitality, especially Zayu, just got everything that they needed and a bit more sometimes. I think I have a, a really good example. Like... If you compare uh, Vitality to, let's say, Navi, Navi in like on Inferno, if uh, they get some poor trades, you can see how cohesive they are with. We're going to save immediately because it's early in the match and we have bad economy. And they just, there's no hesitation. They just save immediately. Well, like a lot of viewers complain about this because it makes it really boring, but it's the right way to play. And you wouldn't see that from Vitality, right? It's mm-hmm. always something in between, like someone's sort of saving and like someone's pushing, um, and just the speed of which other teams like Navi and a heroic team they beat. Actually, it just seems so more cohesive when they play. Okay, so their their decision making in certain situations is not as proficient as it as it could be to enable them to. Okay, yeah, and I think like we we definitely see some of the calls where things kind of just just fall apart with them here, but. Uh, you know, I asked Striker for promise and he was with promise. So I think maybe where, like, especially where I had vitality coming into this year, they were one of my more like cusp teams to the teams yeah. who felt like more of a known quantity. I think at the moment though, for me, Counter-Strike, when we get to the big events, every game is going to be like in any given Sunday type matchup. Like I'm not looking for which team is going to establish like a dynasty or which team is going to go on consistent Ws at the moment because I feel that we're in such a period where there's so many teams that could strike while the iron is hot, right? Like G2 have continued their success. They just beat Navi again, and now they're locked in for the arena as well. They would be another team that I'm sure a lot of us here would put in the highlight column. Um, But do they look threat? Do they look more complete to you, G2? If we were to say they're a highlight as well, do they look more complete to you than a Vitality at the moment? It's hard to tell because Navi hasn't looked as impressive as it did last year. And it's so early because we haven't seen Navi play against the other teams, so we don't know how hot Navi is, right? And I think it was um, it was one map Inferno where G2 almost lost to Navi as well, so things could have gone wrong there. So it's very hard to tell. They're obviously the they look the hottest in this tournament thus far, 
Okay, let me let me try this then, Prof. I'm going to throw this one your way because uh, threats bang on here. We haven't seen a bunch of non-partner uh, blast teams play. We haven't yeah. even seen blast teams like into cross yet. We will see a yeah. bit more of that as the format continues here. But one of the problems we have is this isn't a tournament that has a crescendo in a final. So we're going to yeah. miss a lot of like, yeah, this guy beat this guy, then these guys beat these guys. Like it's it's a bit harder for us to yeah, measure. Yeah, not seeing G2 or Vitality at so, all anymore. So what are we phase. measuring? What 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 should we and the viewers, or, or I guess for our conversation point, how should we be grading what we've seen? Should we just be looking at, okay, this guy's in good form and this is likely going to carry into Katowice next week? Yeah, this I team looks dis What are we looking at? Metrics? I think we can, we can look at some individual form, but we also need to take it like, case by case for example okay. like you look at heroic you look how they played like when you look at their ratings and shit like they're great because they smurfed on like they lost to eg but it was like a very close game and then they destroyed them then also like astralis destroyed them on two maps lost one map right and uh then they lost to vitality in a game where you just you saw that they didn't really show up and so, so what does this mean are our heroic in trouble like i don't think so right especially this early the, this result and this tournament doesn't it's not the end of the world right to to not win the group or anything and they still have decent chances i don't know how the group uh, bracket looks i didn't look uh after after it's finished but uh like, playing the winner i've, big I've got the, it here but on liquid yeah. big and liquid so that's not that's pretty okay like i i believe they win that and then what are we talking about? There's no reason to worry about anything about her. Exactly, right? right? Yeah. So but, it depends. But then you can look at someone like Liquid and how they played and they like losing to a team like OG, just some of the like Yakinda are completely missing on a map and then OC not really delivering. And then you're like, okay, that's not great. But they also probably started practicing pretty late. Like I think they went on to boot camp like just a couple of days before, before the tournament started. I remember like after the award show, I think I opened Instagram and I saw Daps flying. So that was like the 50. Oh. So they're not, you know, fully ready and they're going to be more ready for Katowice than than they were here. So I think uh, I think you can say like Vitality definitely look, that's some promise, right? Considering how they were last year, especially Spinks, because he was the big question mark. G2 continuing, that's more or less the same. Navi, we know they weren't going to be great here. Uh, the Blade interview was pretty good. People can look it up. Uh, and then this is where he said he'd like, rather or would have liked to have kept playing with STY and MPL, right? STY and that MPL, yeah, that's for me, yeah. yeah. And he also spoke a bit about roles and stuff, so we can talk about Navi in a bit. I think on the on the other side, there are two teams that had like for, so far that we finished the first half of the kind of the group. There are two teams that have no players above a one rating. Do you want to guess which ones? Uh, big and complexity. EG and, EG and complexity. Oh, okay. Didn't so, I know Wiz was above one point? Oh, maybe I didn't no. check his So it's like stats. nothing new there, right? I think for, for the Back most part, it's America, hard. Man. It's hard to see, like, to, to bring any big conclusions out of it so far. Like, if we get some bigger upsets or like weird results in the in the bracket, uh, gauntlet or whatever, then then okay. But so far, it's kind of more more or less as expected. Like NIP. Also, kind of in the dubs. I didn't really watch their games. Not gonna lie, the first week at all. Uh, but I guess like looking at individuals like Hedrick would be a thing and see how he can perform. But now that's kind of even in the bin because Hampus is out now. Like, I know. Change, we, right, yeah. I know we spoke about config and that at least is a silver lining. They get someone who can frag. But 
it's like it just feels like one step forward, two steps back, right? So for NIP, and Config's not going to play at this event because he can't, obviously. Right? <laughs> <laughs> imagine if he actually did at that yeah, point. Imagine if he played, that would it's, be hilarious. That would be so funny, actually. Scuffed. But it's I mean, super I'm, funny because now he's actually signed for NIP and he still can't play because, because I don't want to talk about rules, that, but yeah. that was, in my opinion, like super mishandled by Blast. Like, I, I, I think they really fucked up on that one. Uh, yeah, they're it's kind of out of the news cycle. Now. It's because we, we aren't going to spend too much time talking. Nah, about it, so they kind of dodged the news cycle on the potty here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, regarding <clears throat> regarding NIP, I mean, if yeah. we want to move along the conversation, I was kind of trying to focus on Hattrick mainly, just because obviously sure. he's the one, he's the main guy coming in. He had a really good map against Navi. That was one. That was like the the only map where he really stood out. Other than that, he just kind of seems like the typical passive opera that just gets things done essentially, but doesn't really necessarily have like super highlight moments or anything like that. Uh, that's pretty much how he looked to me. He seemed like positionally he was decent. He was making mistakes like over peeking into situations and things like that, considering his inexperience. So that's kind of like one thing that I was paying attention to the most. He just hasn't been amazing. He hasn't been bad. Just kind of like middle of the road so far for me. Okay. Yeah. yeah and if you yeah, actually, if you look at him before this, this is sort of the player and I'd be expected because yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He, he he was a very passive opera in Navi Junior. It was like the opposite to Monacy. Does that make sense? Do you think threat with the fact they have like Roland Res and well now Config who are pretty plucky and aggressive riflers? And you would you like to balance that out with an opera who's not going to take as many risks? Um. Well, I think first of all, it's it's hard to be too picky. Where it's like, yeah, we need a super good opera, and it has to be this precise style. Uh, but if you actually look back at it, uh, like device worked great with the team, mm. and he's obviously very passive, right? So um, I, I don't necessarily think that matters too much. But I don't. Maybe maybe they would have needed a more explosive Monisi Oper. It's just like it's it's because I think we've all when we think of players, we think of like their peak moments and when they're getting up to to nonsense, right? And like I think for some of them, like Brolin's an example who. I know that he's not only just this, but some of his best moments were during like the Organ Krieg era where he could just like run around an A map. And that was like, you know, back then one of his his biggest strengths just being at a headshot, right? So I kind of couple that and bring that into like, I know the game's still always evolving and stuff, but seeing him in those type of positions, then I thought, okay, well, is there a lot of overlap with like Rez, Hampus, and Brolin all wanting to go for like opening plays? Like you think about Vertigo taking like yellow control, looking for those type of jewels. I can see all of them wanting to get up to those type of moves. But then you, if you had an aggressive, or uh, I guess that wouldn't, it's not the same type of fight, really. I don't know. It just feels like there's a, they have a lot of elements that like to get stuck in. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know how that, I, don't, I guess it's not a bad thing. Some teams struggle to find anybody who wants to get stuck in. So the fact they have quite a few people who are like, fuck it, yeah. throw a flash, I'm running in. Maybe I that's mean, a positive sign. Yeah. To be fair, like it's very difficult to, like, we can't predict anything about an IP at this point. Like it's just going to, everything's going to be, completely different because of config like as you say like he's much more explosive as much as they him and hampers are kind of i said it in a chat like just after the change they're kind of cut out of the same cloth but then again they're not exactly the same type of player like config will just hold w you know and he will just like fight to the death essentially yes. hampers can be that but he's much more um balanced in that way where where especially in his like latest role in an IP where he was much more on the lurky side rather than, you know, being like a hard entry or anything along the lines. So definitely there's going to have to be some changes, you know, in the setup that Navi or uh, NIP are using at the moment. And so like, who the hell knows what kind of an IP will show up in Katowice, you know? 
Well, this might be good for Alexi in the sense that they probably, they're not going to have too much time to like have a lot of predetermined stuff. So this is where he gets to do a bit more like micromanaging and moving of the pieces um, while calling. And some in-game leaders like are better like that, where you know things are a bit more on the fly and they get to, but I don't know. I, I don't know what suits Alexi best or, or where he finds himself calling. It's just another another difficult difficult position to find themselves as a team, right? I mean, uh, I do I do kind of like how what this could potentially mean for Brolin because I think there there was something that I talked to Kalk about actually in the in the interview that I did with him where I thought mm. he just hasn't really shown so much so far. Like we expected Brolin to be a really big signing for NIP, you know, best Sweden's best player. Oh, that's you know that we're that he was being held as, but like nothing really changed, you know, in NIP during that time. And of course you can talk about how like, you know, because of the turbulence and a lot of the changes like he didn't really get to get the chance to shine, but that could be something that could actually help out Brolin just because there's going to be a little bit less pressure on him to be the aggressive piece and, you know, maybe using config to be the front guy and, you know, Brolin could be like the second guy and a little bit more along with Raz, like somewhere in the pack, you know, whatever like that. I could see that being a bit more freeing for, for Brolin specifically and unlocking him in that team. So I'm just curious how, how they will, how they will set the team up and how quickly even they will be able to, because obviously Karavica is in like a week's time. Yeah, they probably don't even know how they're going to do that yet, right? They're no. probably going to work that out very soon. Now, I want to play this through my mic here just quickly and then just talk about some heroic stuff. Uh, let me see if this is the right one here. Now, I don't That's know if, you, if people caught Confi do it. Uh, sorry, caught Kadian doing that. Um, there was also like a... There's also a, a Twitch clip from like a couple of years ago of a guy on Cobble like doing a similar type of spiel. But the long story short here is is like, hey, I think he's trying to get his team to communicate a bit more because if they're such a dynamic team, right? And Counter-Strike really is about, yeah, I'm flashed. I'm peaking now. I've got the left. Yeah, cover me. I'm throwing the smoke. Like the level of details and communication, especially with a team like Heroic, which is very like proactive, reactive, all of the actives, right? We know that they, if their comms, and players aren't taking the initiatives and communicating what they're doing, I can see how that can really like hamper their style as a team, right? Like, because you look at how quick, like Kadian makes a call and they have to, you have to trust it in that moment. He's made that call off of like a very specific timing. And if anybody body hesitates, right, that is, that's where it's fucked. Like things can fall apart. I don't know if people watch the, the game and glory documentary little episode that uh, ESL put out, but there's, one round in in a matchup they were talking about as part of that Furia comeback where Kadian made a call to like rotate back to A to the open bomb site and instead Tessa started walking down B lane and he got killed and dropped the bomb and that's like an example of hey like if somebody just has a brain fade in a moment in a heroic game that can just lose you the round right there so I don't know that do you this feels like a no brainer I feel like I'm I'm giving you an underarm here like because I'm trying to highlight communication and heroic what do you think their biggest strength slash weaknesses as far as it pertains to their play style. Uh, I think what Heroic has, and I think Kadian said this in an interview uh, a while back, where they have this thing, like, even if they have a bad plan, they fully commit to it. And that, that's just very annoying to play against. I mean, a classic Heroic thing would be uh, they're playing Seed Overpass, there's a trade, and they just immediately over-rotate to A and play aggressive A. Like, plays like that. And they're very fast about it and if someone makes that call they don't hesitate they just do it immediately and i, I think that's also the, the the bad side with them because 
sometimes, I mean, it's better if the plan is actually good, you know. And sometimes <laughs> they they overdo it. I mean, I've seen a few times they could get like the entry, and still someone makes the call, and it's like, yeah, but we said we agreed to commit to all the calls, when obviously it's a bad call to make an aggressive play or something. Now I'm might be oversimplifying it a bit, but that's sort of where I feel where they at. But uh, just to make the things clear, though, it's much better to commit to all plans and have bad plans than not commit to them and have good plans. But I mean, in a perfect world, you you would have both. Do, do you guys think it's hard for a team like Heroic though, who want to continue to be like the the one setting the tempo, like playing that heads up counter strike, that you you can run out of ideas, right? Like because they're they're doing so many different things, and if one or two people have a bit of an off day coming in the office with those ideas, like that shared responsibility, it quickly. Excuse me, Bless fuck you. hell, yawning, sneezing, puffy. It's it's everything here tonight. Maybe I'm dying. Um. But uh, yeah, it, it all kind of can can fall apart quite quickly if if some of the links are, are missing. So I guess that then builds back into the nature of heroic and this like brotherhood they built and all this trust. I'm going down all of this culture side of the team again. But um, it, that it's it's really important to these boys. I think like they they're not a team that can just they're not they're not just sweet. Why are you why are oh. you so just like going off on heroic so hard right i was now. i watched what, the thing what, today what inspired I, you i watched the i didn't watch the game and glory thing when it initially came out i wanted to save it so it was like fresh on my mind if i I did both i did talk encounter earlier and now i'm doing this one so if it came up i wanted to have it fresh and ready in okay. case there's any themes and those those themes obviously because there was a lot of heroic stuff in there really stuck with me and i was thinking about how right now it would impact their gameplay and they obviously Lost to vitality, right? And there's clear signs that Katie and trying to get them to talk a bit more. So I'm yeah. just trying to, but do you, you think know, tie that the thread that you linked uh, or played? Yes, he's speaking in English. Do you yes. think that was like serious? Or uh, I, I'm pretty sure they won the round before that, and then I he think was he was like three zero, three zero against VG. Like I think he was, I think he was making fun of VG. Honestly, I don't think he was making fun of VG. I think I think he was doing it for like a a mood thing. You think yeah, it was, that was probably. part of his banter probably. with Hexed? I mean, it maybe. could, uh, could also my, be, you know, but that was my idea. But maybe I was wrong. Yeah. But it did maybe. look like he's just like trying to bring the team up, and that's it. You know, he's not like actually telling them anything like important. You know, he's just like being being KDN and being a leader. You know, and just like doing anything he can to get the energy up. You know. Mm. So I don't. I didn't really look like I didn't yeah. think of think much of it. All right. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. it. And like I have to add PG. something positive here on Heroic. Okay. Things here when we're talking about Heroic, it's like they, they seem like they're a team that adapts to their problem. So there, there might be teams they have, they found this culture, we're always going to be aggressive, and then they stick to that no matter what, even if they start losing, because that is their culture. I think a good example of this is uh, Furia. Uh, they are hmm. very stubborn, like insanely stubborn with some of the things. And it can really backfire. I mean, we, we had a match versus them on um, Antwerp uh, Major in the group stage. We were seated on Nuke. I think we actually ended up being 13-0 oh, yeah. up. Because, like, the, the literally only thing we did was, okay, we over we block door with everything you have every round. Like, it's it's that simple. Because the, their their plan is like, yeah, we, we have to uh, be aggressive door. It doesn't matter. We will. We won't stop. We are Fury. We will do this. Like it's sort of fun. Like you're playing that. It's like, yeah. What if we throw five HCs? There's every round. Like it's impossible. Like because you will just take you know damage, and it doesn't matter how much you believe in your playstyle if you take 100 damage. Um, and that's an example round, of a team. Yeah. I think Fury has improved in that regard, but I think Heroic is really good in that. Where 
they have their style and you can see like oh this is heroic but they will adapt uh, which probably can make them even more scary uh, this next year it became a meme when we were casting for a while there that fury just don't use outside or nuke that everything is like so like lobby centric but uh, yeah they, they'll, they'll get there eventually they'll catch up mm. with them matter don't you worry well maybe they won't um, what do we think about phase this is a hard one to talk about right through the group stage with yeah, but, the deck it's, this is this is the thing of why it's like okay, well, FaZe have come in in good form with individuals. Bro, Brokey's playing well, Twister's playing well, right? Like that. That's the thing. That's all I'm looking at here, and it's just Katie and you with the stand-in buff again. So you know that that I say Katie and yeah, I'm tired, you're, boys. You're, I, you're, I, you're it's been a, it's been a long day with this episode. fucking dryer, and I ordered the wrong dryer. So don't we don't even <laughs> don't even, don't even <laughs> everything's fucked, man. Full um, yeah, but yeah, uh, the stand-in buff. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Not nothing much to talk about there. Like Rain is uh, coming back for Katowice from everything we see, so that's nice. Uh, potentially Robin as well. I don't know about that. Uh, so they're probably going to be in full force there. And I guess if we're swapping to Katowice, they are still, I would say, the favorites alongside like Heroic. Okay. I would say. What about still. G two? I guess G two is also there. Um, I have a really horrible feeling about G2. You know, you remember that 10-0 EPL group yes. and what happened straight after? They just went 6-0 at last groups. And that's not, like, as much as you take that for, like, a side of grade four, like, history, history doesn't really speak in favor of G2 in that sense. So I just have this feeling where they could just, like, flop. Like, everybody has so much expectations on G2 at the moment and kind of the same thing happened back at EPL. You know, everybody was like, oh, day 2 old phase, you know, and day 2 old everybody and then obviously, you know, nothing really happened after that. So they failed to qualify for the major, just like a complete flop. Uh, but I mean, obviously, you know, considering their form, they won world final. They they did really well at the blast group. So they should be, they definitely should be one of the favorites. And they actually have a group that seems to be fitting them now because they they have phase Liquid and Navi and they've done well against phase recently, kind of consistently. They've just beat Navi twice and Navi are having these struggles. So like, it seems like everything's converging into a re into a really solid tournament for G two again, and Nico is fucking insane. And Nico, so. yeah, yeah, beast mode right now. Some of the rounds he's having are fucking brutal. Like it just it it's it's ridiculous out there. Yeah, and I think the thing is, if you get Nico and Monacy playing well, and then you only need one of Hunter or JKS to step up, or both to be just at their level, and then you're pretty set, right? So I think that G two obviously an exciting prospect. Who else can we talk about here? Do we want to talk about Astralis? Right, like initial initial signs. Not not great for Buzz. Buzz has uh, the lowest tournament. It's his lowest rated player of the of last with yeah. zero point sixty six. I didn't see people talking about this. I'm gonna give and him I, this tournament though. He can have it. It's a freebie. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I was same as NPL last time. Yeah, yeah, I was surprised to see it because I like when I went through the stats because I didn't see anyone like tweeting about it or anything. But I guess everyone's just like, let's give him a pass. Everyone's He's being just, nice. Everyone's, that's weird. You know, I don't expect it. But we should be a little bit more like this should be expected. Obviously, if someone yeah. comes in and they're, but the forums are still going to be like Lamar, Buzz, Lol, Astralis, and stuff like that. Yeah. I didn't see it, so I was I was surprised. That's true. Did they, they had a good had a good map right versus? He had an ace on a pistol round. Yeah, uh, versus the when they won versus heroic. I mean, sure, device carried that match, but I think he played <laughs> decent. Yeah, that's a good 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 one. 
I, I think that. for me, the thing that stands out with Astralis was just seeing Device on Inferno up to, well, I wouldn't even say his old tricks. Like it felt like a bit more aggressive Device. It felt like Device playing face it, just like picking middle on Inferno with the AWP and being such like a jarring force. He wasn't giving any like room for free to Heroic on their T side. He was just like posturing aggressive or semi-aggressive with the AWP. When he got pushed and they had pistols, he brings out a Tech-9 that he scavenged. He's like dug, dug, dug in down four players and stuff. It was just good for me. That's my biggest takeaway, seeing Device back in the server on LAN with this team playing well, and that kind of breeds a little bit of hope that if he can perform at a very high level and Blame can, and then we see what Buzz can become. There can be a conversation for the future, but right now it's a long journey back for Astralis, right? They're not in Katowice at all. We won't get mm. to see them again, um, at, at least in the in the coming weeks. Um, so for them, it's it's a development period, and I think that needs to be uh, that needs to be taken into consideration. And I'm oh, sure yeah, that they have to go through the qualifiers too. I just realized. Yeah. So that's the next time we'll see them in like about two weeks. For the, I mean, they still have the knockout stage to play in the uh, in in Blast. But I mean, after that, yeah, and we have Liquid. I mean, I, I just have a feeling that Liquid will just manage to get over the line and win any of these next upcoming tournaments. Really? Okay. Like, okay. Yeah, it, it feels like they have something, but it's just not clicking just yet. There's and been I a bit of OC will... slander. What do you feel about that threat? There's been a bit OC's been under the pump. He's not really there's people saying he's not contributing with the AWP. He did do an interview saying it was harder than he thought. Yeah, I mean, I think he's clearly the weakest link in that lineup right now, which is like fair enough. If you look at their lineup, they have a bunch of really strong players. Um I mean, what spot did Naf get in the top 20? He yeah, it was he 14. Didn't... Uh, but, no. but he's not no, the that was, that was previous year. Didn't yeah, make just it this outside. Year. Oh, he did it. Yeah, he, he didn't was didn't right outside. It, it was twenty. Just outside, yeah. something. Yeah. But I actually think for that team to like really shine. I mean, I don't know if you remember, but there was a while where Naf was up there, almost top five. I think it was like six and yeah. seven best player in the world. Like, if they can get him back to that level, and obviously Yikinder is probably the. <laughs> I'm gonna make up a new rating here. It's highest impact per HLTV rating. <laughs> yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. So uh, for every uh, decimal that Yakinor has, it's just like worth three more than another player in the rating because he just has such a big impact when he plays. Um, uh, I don't know. It just feels like they're so close, and it, they look really strong on Anubis, right? They played. Uh... They beat OG on it, but I think they also lost to OG on it, didn't they? Mm, they played. Com no, 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 they didn't play. I think, I think they played... Didn't Liquid play... Oh, yeah, they did play Complexity on Anubis, Anubis but, I mean... On Anubis? Complexity. Yeah, it's Complexity. Yeah, it was 16 too. Oh, I thought we were talking about Ancient. Sorry. I no, no. It's, the shit's not you even are, entering you're, right you're now. You're really awesome it's today. <laughs> to be honest, it happens to me with Ancient and Anubis. Like, I saw some update to Ancient. I'm like, what What are they talking about? They didn't change anything. And I, ah, oh, that's Ancient. Yeah, so, okay. Good update. Really good, good update. update. Uh, the latest the Ancient one, update. Yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, that, that one, I I don't know about that one. I don't know about that one. Seems pretty intense. Do you want to talk about Katowice shortly or uh, are we... Yeah, well, I'm just trying to see which names that we can bring across into this conversation, right? Yeah, so yeah. the good thing we did Astralis because uh, we, we can't not bring them across in the conversation. Yeah, let's let's chop and change a bit. Let's jump over and we can bring some of our uh, thoughts across with us. I so Katowice, maybe, maybe like a way we can do it fast, at least for this, uh, for this playing stage, is just like go through the bracket and see which teams we think will make it through. Sure. Uh, um, let me just uh, whack this towards Lucas. I mean, just so he can it seems like a fairly everybody. obvious conversation, like in a lot of these matches and I think, things like that. But like, we can just like quickly I run through some uh, of these teams. Let's not do like 
match by match. No, no, no we, just do like we don't have to do the yeah. whole bracket. Let's so, just talk so about the, the game. These are the, the teams who will make it through, essentially. These are the 16 teams. So it's Furia, Cloud9, Fnatic, OG, Spirit, Ants, Big, NIP. These are the top eight ranked. And then you have Sprout, Evil Geniuses, Complexity, Pain, IHC, Greyhound, MIBR, and Permita. Hmm. Seems so like I a think... very obvious cutoff, doesn't it? Yeah, there's like the top eight makes sense to go through. And then you have like Sprout that might may like do something, but they also kind of didn't really hit the ground running. Yeah, after not for the this change. year yeah, anyway. With, yeah. with it hasn't, hasn't been very good. Yeah, they, the they tier. failed to qualify for EPL, which I think really stings for them. And then you have EG and Complexity, like these two teams maybe do something, but I don't think from the rest that we can expect anyone to go through. Like right. maybe some upsets, but I don't think anyone else should go through. It's hard when we haven't seen these a lot of these names play this year, right? Like we haven't seen Ents play, we haven't seen Cloud9 play, we haven't seen Spirit play, right? And and these are some names that we know we haven't seen Furia play. We haven't seen Fnatic play. These names are names who, who could be threats to teams that we're watching right now. And we're not going to know. Uh, I guess these are these are their warm-up games. You know, Cloud9, mm. IHC, okay, well, they should be dispatching of that matchup. Ends against Pain. well, maybe a little bit harder, but Ends should get that done, right? So for, for these names here, I don't think there's too many hiccups. You're right. Pointing out Sprout is one. What do we feel about, like, OG, though, right? Because of their form in, in Blast, they've had some good looking maps they've had some not so good looking maps like this development of this team when when is the point and i guess threat you'd be the best for this with the younger players that you brought through but fiku and neofrag are the two you know who when you saw them in sinners and then fiku and ego you could see the you could see the promise you could see the shine you could see you know what's there under the hood how long should it take as a period of time for a transition of them coming and taking this step up before they get that consistently because dexter constant impact constant aggression he's he's always doing the same shit he's always he's always delivering but it's the supporting cast that that don't feel like they're quite there consistently yeah and what worries me even more in that lineup right now is since they brought neofrag and fiku in is um i think especially neofrag he's played like decent i don't think he's been worse than he was when he played in sinners but it's actually how flames has fallen off um because at one point I thought thought that Flames was like the hardest rifler in Europe for a while, right? Okay. Um, it was like the end of 2021. So I don't know if maybe it's a like combination that Flames still hasn't enough experience and they keep piling on players that's like inexperienced. I probably think that is the case for this lineup because they do have the ta the talent, and I think for Nexa to IGL this team. It's probably not the easiest task in the world, to be honest. Because um, if you like, even Dexter, I mean, he played in Spirit before this. They had one really good run um, in Antwerp. But if your lineup is where Dexter is the most experienced one, I think you're going to have some issues. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's oh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> what? I was just looking through some stats and I was like looking through <laughs> openings because of Neofrag because I saw something about like him and Nexa changing some spots and like swapping positions. And so I was just checking that. I noticed this one, like I went to the bottom on T side openings and I went to notice this stat. I was like, oh, Glaive is like 0 0.05 kills, opening kills per round versus 0 0.22 deaths per round. But then I looked further bottom and Buzz has like 30% opening kill attempts. And he only had one opening duel one against 14 lost. 
Oh damn! Ooh. He went one fourteen in opening duels. That's that's a yikes for me, dog. I'm like Ooh. really. I think he's like one of the most in, involved in those two, like top ten players involved in like opening duels on the T side. So Ooh. I mean, if you have a guy just dying like you know every third round, let's say on his own, you know, then of course you're gonna have problems, you know. And if he's not the in-game leader, you got a couple more problems, man. Uh, sacrificial lambs. I feel so, like Flames has like a, a lot of like T side aggression rules that also fucks him up. I don't know if that was always the case. Maybe that wasn't the case that much in, in previous OG lineups. But he has a lot of these like very, well, just start running in on an execute roles where he just gets fucked. Right. I mean, sometimes he gets a kill, but he's not really he's not really set up as the star as you would kind of maybe expect him to be, uh, especially on the T side. He's not, you know, he's more more Yakindar slash Kerrigan than, you know, uh, I don't know, a Rops or a Elige now, I guess. I, I've seen like like some moments where they'll have like a really good pop flash for him in like a ramp or whatever on the CT yeah. side to clear. But, you know, I guess it's, it's difficult to consistently give resources to set up the entry frag, I don't, like obviously you want to make the space, but maybe you don't always have that extra flash left over to, for the next corner. I don't know. It's it's a weird one. Like I remember when OG added Dexter, for me, the whole team at that point, I was like, okay, so I've seen all of these guys. They're all really plucky riflers. Nexter as well as a, like a Roman Domian game leader, like getting in the fights. And they just felt like a really brawly team. And I know that you need to have a few more different levels the way you approach Counter-Strike. It can't all just be fight, 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 unless you're heroic, I guess. But um, I thought that they would, you know, if the individuals are playing well, this is a, a team to be reckoned with, which is the case. It's just they're not getting enough output consistently, right? So, I, well, did you I, did you read the article that came out today? Uh, uh, the one about like trading and stuff. Oh, I was looking at that. Did that come? Yeah, I was having a look at that. Um, that's uh, because you compared OG to heroic. If you can bring this up uh, for a second and. Just like based on this one stat, yeah, there which is. is how much how much people are involved in trades. Like OG is the closest team to heroic, and they are like very much um, like separated from the whole pack Looking and with outsiders, outsiders. <laughs> with outsiders on Jesus, the other, outsiders yeah. on the other side, right? So uh, it does seem like that's the direction, and um, sometimes sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. Like that's kind of how it works for OG because they are not as I mean, they haven't been together as much as Heroic, and they don't have like the same level of cohesion and everything. So I, they group I, up a I, lot as well. Like that's kind of like a part of it. You know, that's kind of the difference between them and Heroic. And that's actually in the article as well. You know, where Heroic are much more balanced in like how they structure their rounds, while OG can just be like, let's just group up from spawn and do something. You know. Yeah, it, it, it's it's interesting to like these articles are really interesting to see. Like when you have these lovely graphics, Mary is amazing, man. Like he's he's drawing some of these um, um, some of these links that I would never have thought of. You know about like defining players and roles and and like really finding new ways, like coming with original ways to to define all these things and all of, all of them like making a lot of sense. Like he's he's very good. Yeah, it's good to have like people challenging the status quo with the way that we look at things, and especially if you have the the data to be able to back it up, right? And at the end of the day, it all you know that there's there's a lot of different ways to look at these things. You can so also it's good to have. just to mention in the article, you can go. There's a link to like Tableau, which is a website for like graphs and shit, so you can see all of the stats for the top twenty teams or something. Uh, and you can see all of the players and the player that is like least traded out of all. Uh, do you want to guess? Is it James? No, <laughs> it's his second most, uh, second least. Uh, Who is it? 
It's Bymouth. Oh. 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 Uh, someone asked now. this in, in the comments of the article, oh. so I went to check it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it is. I should have known that. Uh, I yeah, hit okay. you with a lot of uh, can you guess this uh, this episode. Do you I like, like the but, can you guess game. Yeah. What about your Kindar? I like if you how close is he to the pack? I'm he's actually very he, far. Like he's actually yeah. very and far, I, I thought I thought so as well, right? Because that's actually a bit more of the CIS style where you would uh, like take like smart gambles i mean the perfect example is like your kinder would run out long on overpass a long and just take the space yeah because most of the rounds the opera is not there right and obviously there's no trade potential but that that's just that simple move that's a very cis thing to do mm. uh, and i mean you can see with outsiders it's uh, obviously very much the case yeah, that's, that was, this is really cool. It's very cool. It's so distinct between outsiders and heroic. As mm. It was interesting also that so like basically like there's like in that statistic, uh, like three players that are similar in that, but you would never really put in the same conversation is Nico, Exile, and Yekindar. Like they both, they all score basically in the same area in terms of how much they are traded, which is very low, and how much they trade, which is also very low, because they are so disconnected mm. from the pack a lot of the time. You know. Um, and I think the more we talk about this is uh, eventually we will reach a point where all of these roles that is like, obviously it's all made up like we yeah. I mean, I've been part of the CC and I made up a lot of the rules and like are you supposed to think about this on this map I mean in 10 years I definitely hope that we have something better and we're slowly reaching this point because the, the, the more and more you talk about being a lurker and an entry fragger and especially like when you are on the desk right Chad yep. it's, you reach a point where you almost have to like makes things up to make it fit the narrative almost right it's like yeah he's a lurker that's why he did this and it's like yeah but this doesn't make any sense yeah let's forget about that <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. been there yeah. we've all been yeah. there yeah, yeah. that was that was also part of the award show right like we kind of basically kind of did some redefine of roles, yeah. some of the roles because like a lot of the a lot of the language that we've been using doesn't really fit anymore that's the thing and it is going to constantly evolve right because the game will as well and the pro approaches to the game will also evolve so yeah i imagine it's something that it, that is endless it's uh, an infinite game here that we'll get to get to follow through on okay so uh yeah other do we think that any of these names here i'm going to list and someone stop me if you don't think that a name that i'm reading out is a shoe in to make it from the play-ins to the main event all right so uh, furia cloud nine fanatic OG, Spirit, Ents. I'm going to say stop I there. Think, yeah. Okay, stop like, on Ents. Yeah, I, I'm going to say stop because they, they have a lineup that I think they, they have underperformed. Um, I, I still think they will make it through, but it's um, just a caveat with how good Sun Pius is. Um, I would even say if, if Ents starts performing as a team or if Sun Pius finds another team, he could definitely make it deep in the top 20 players of the year. Oh, shit. All right. Yeah, I, 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 I would definitely was, say so. Yeah, he actually was kind of like, he would have been in the conversation if he had a better sample size for sure, because statistically he was definitely up there like in consideration, but just didn't have the, didn't play enough, you know, essentially to to be in a realistic, to be a realistic candidate. Okay. Yeah, I mean, just look at, I mean, I, not to crash movie star writers, but after he left, things happened. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure, yeah. 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 Yeah, they they're riding something right now, and it's a it's a rough ride. Let's let's uh, let's maybe leave it at that for Paul. Paul Movistar riders. Okay, so 
Striker, did you have anything to add about Ents, or are you just in agreement? No, kind of in a, in, in a similar boat. Also, looking at the bracket, they're probably gonna like if they beat Pain, then they're probably gonna meet Cloud Nine, and then you know I, who knows what they who they meet in the in, in on the bottom side there. But still, like it's it's not the easiest side of the bracket either. Okay, so uh, let's continue forward here. Big, do we think Big's gonna make it? Are they? Are they? They're gonna make it. All right, all right. NIP though, now that with config, are they making I think, it? I think there's gonna be like a honeymoon thing as anyway. Like, like just config is just gonna run and farm and like he's somehow they're just gonna make it work, I feel. All right. And then I guess this is where we get to the teams on the cusp a bit more, right? We mentioned Sprout, they definitely stand out. But uh, EG versus complexity, uh, this isn't me bagging on them. Maybe they have a chance, maybe they don't, right? Like uh, it's so middle of the road with these guys. But out of pain, IHC, Greyhound, MIBR, and Permissa, is there anybody there that's like, yeah. Like these guys, these guys can grind out some wins. Like IHC with their style, you could you could make a conversation that maybe these guys, you know, they I, I know they're playing Cloud Nine in the opening round, the poor bastards. Yeah, um, yeah that, you're going to be wrecked there. Unfortunately, but they play the most I mean, European style for a team that's from Asia. Yeah, but they're playing against the team you shouldn't play that. That's style. true, actually. Yeah. <laughs> that's Fuck. the one team you don't want to play that uh, style against. I mean, if they're going to be pain, destroyed, I would maybe think about pain, um, just because of. Kind of like past in the past they've taken some some big names and that's and they have like ants in the first round which is kind of as far as you know meeting and come up against the favorites goes it's not the the hardest matchup it's the best of one and so that they're maybe gonna have a chance there so i think there's there's like some conversation where they might be might have a chance at least yeah out of the outsider teams i'd say they are they are definitely they've been together for five they didn't make any changes like most of the Brazilian teams, like MIBR, I think definitely has been losing steam. So I don't really have any faith in them to do my microphone going. No, it's all good. All right, we, we, it looks cool, man. It's just like, just left, it just blocked my just, face. It's going up again. Look at the hydraulics. Mm. Lucas is in there pulling a, pulling a fucking cable or something. Yeah. All right, let's 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 zoom forward. Unless anybody has anything else they nah, want to say about go. the playing teams. Okay. So we're going to talk talk broader, broad, broader, 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 mine broader, uh, broader strokes right now. Maybe I'm having a stroke. This would fucking explain a lot on um, <laughs> how the tournament is going to come to its conclusion here for Katowice. Now, let me just tell you who's already waiting in Group A. We've got Liquid, Navi, G2, and Phase. That's fucking. Strange. Am I? That, that's what I'm. That's what I was going to say. Like I, when I saw that, I only saw that yesterday. Today, I think, you know, or, or yesterday or something. That's uh, those four teams are in the same group. Like if we saw this, let's say half a year ago maybe we would be like what the fuck how are, how are three of these four teams together in the same group i right. know it's things have changed a little bit i mean navi are obviously not the team that we saw like half a year ago um and phase are also kind of not not in the same exact conversation but it seems like a much stronger group oh, uh, sure. subjectively for sure we, we compared that with the uh with group b and i'll just read that out for everybody playing at home it's heroic mounds vitality and outsiders and two of these names we haven't even say seen play this yeah. uh side of the year yet which is is mouths and outsiders so there's some unknown quantities in group b where i feel like we we know a bit more of what we're going to get from group a now the teams from the play-ins they'll obviously get put into these groups respectively but let's focus in on the teams that we think are going to get through the play-ins and of course these teams who are already here and I, I want us to narrow this down, right? Because we could sit here fluffing about going, oh, well, Mouse, maybe an Outsiders, now that we've got Chiron, like a lot of this stuff, right? We're, we're, we're making some fucking stabs in the dark here, boys, on who we think is going to go deep in this tournament, right? So I, I don't know if anybody wants to kick it off. I don't have a gut feeling here. I've been, I I've mean, been watching I said Blast. it earlier with G2. I think even though they are in the harder group, those teams they've actually done well against. I don't know about Liquid at the moment. I don't remember. 
how they played against them. But the other Navian phase, they've generally done well in the past few months against them. I so mean, I they think... beat Liquid at Blast, didn't they? Oh yeah, they, of course they did. I mean, they changed they changed series there because they lost in the first game, and that was the whole Nico quote about like next time we meet them, we're gonna we're gonna smash them or something, and they did in the final. So yeah, fair enough. I think that outside of the obvious ones like Navi G2 and FaZe, uh, the team, like if outsiders uh, with K Chiron, yeah, Chiron? I think it's Chiron. Chiron, yeah, if they, if, if they make it through the groups, they're going to make a very deep run. So it's very hard to predict, but if they play really well and Chiron, like if he is a big upgrade from Norbert, I mean, they could win the term. That, that, that's what I'm going to throw out there. That they would be the. I don't even know if I would call them dark horse. They're sort of in the middle ground between right. dark horse and like super S tier team. Um, but I, I, I think outsiders is going to make a deep run. Okay. All right. Yeah, I, I don't think that's a bad shout at all. Um, obviously, for the kid, it's going to be, you know, into the deep end. But Big I jump, guess yeah. with the way that they play Counter-Strike and every round just being so measured and just more than happy to save, maybe he won't. I don't know. Maybe the play style will help him acclimatize a little bit if he's if he's even comfortable with that. So we're making some broad assumptions here. We obviously have Cloud9 with Buster on debut as well. Oh. Um, so we need to see if there's any change in the play style of of, of Cloud9. Um, but where with Shiro and Axe are left off last year, um, it, it's going to be interesting to see if they can continue that form because we know with those two being so strong and how deep they were in the the top twenty um, as far as 2022 goes. You, you know, you you think of what. What 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 more do these two players have to do? And is Buster going to bring that difference? Is Nafani going to change the way the approach to the game? So Cloud Nine's a massive unknown. I don't know. It. I don't. To do my job right now, I don't have enough information to pick who's going to win. Pick one theme. It's going to be Cloud Nine. Let's go Ooh. end the show. And roll the bumper. Oh yeah. All right. Nah. You want nah, me to pick I, it? I and I can I be like, I, why are you fuck sleeping on Cloud9? No, you dumb I don't, fucking... don't believe Cloud9. No? You don't want to rehash tournament. it? I don't, I don't want the... That was before Katowice, right? I'm pretty uh, sure. I think so, yeah. Cloud9 sure. outsiders <laughs> in the grand final would be the, the longest grand final <laughs> ever. Best of Best five. of five. Best of five, <laughs> yeah. Everyone's Everyone is completely beds. spread out on the map. Like nothing. I mean, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go the other way and say Navi's not going to make the playoffs. I, oh, I know it's not a big. I don't think. I don't think that's really a, a, a honestly like a hot take. At I this think point. that's very realistic, actually. Yeah, because like looking at the group, like those those other three teams are just favored over them at this point. G two phase and Liquid phase, we can kind of like wonder about like how much they've prepared. They've actually played with Rain, even though you know they played Blast with uh, obviously with a stand in, and we're supposed to have a different stand in. So there was some there was some preparation, but obviously you know expecting a kid and all of that. Like it's gonna throw a wrench in things. Who knows how much he's gonna be able to prepare for, with them now, before they go uh, to to Karavitsa and all of that stuff. So maybe there's a conversation there that they're not gonna be in the best form, like as as that five particularly. Mm. But like we know, phase they're 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 gonna be competitive, you know. But Navi have just been very shaky. Yeah, and it's hard to get NPL up to speed. Like they don't have a long break now, and I'm sure that the timeline for Navi is not. They they would like to do well at these events. Everybody wants to do well, but I imagine their timeline is to be ready or as ready as they can be for the major, yeah. right? Like the, you know that that's I guess how most teams would be scaling to be the most competitive they can be. So threat records outsiders with a deep run. Striker uh, is under the impression that Navi won't make the playoffs. Uh, Prof thinks Cloud Nine are going to win the whole thing, but seriously, <laughs> you got a you got a hot take here for us, Prof? Uh, 
Not really. I think Cloud9 make playoffs. I think that's that's it. I don't think that's a hot only take. Only six team playoffs, just so what they're aware. What that's they go into Group A. I think they are like there. They're there. They're gonna be there on the on the cusp. But we'll okay. see. Man, All I right. hope these groups don't end up super fucked, man. Like it could. I don't know how exactly it will work out, but it could work out where like Cloud9 is gonna go into Group A or some shit. I would like and... to have Cloud9 and Spirit in Group B just to kind of you know Balance start balancing things out a <laughs> yeah. little bit. Just to stack them with the CIS teams with outsiders. I, I, I'm excited to see more continued growth from Spirit because I think that they're a team. I don't, I don't think they get slept on, but I think that they're a, a very good team with, and they're they're quite young, right? When you look at like Wonderful and Patsy, and I think we've started to to lump a lot more praise in the direction direction of Chopper and the way that he's been running his team. So I think Spirit are a team that like if they if they made the playoffs, it would be a surprise, but maybe it shouldn't be a surprise, right? Like they have that that ability to to break through in hard matches they're they're missing like a big result like they did have the the playoffs of the major the semi-final but they didn't have like a win right they didn't reach a grand final didn't really challenge for a title so that would this would be the year right they did have like two rookie of the year nominees last year so i think like that's that shows where this team is going essentially and like wonderful honestly like the six months that he played were fucking crazy for a player that just kind of arrived on on the top level so i believe i believe they are gonna have their moment i don't know if katowice is is that but uh for sure it's gonna happen this year for spirit okay oh that's my hot ish take lukewarm take my take. take uh psa um oh, live, the live show, from Katowice, yeah. Live show for Katowice. It's just uh to put out the date, which is gonna be Wednesday eighth of Feb, right? Eighth of February. So that's like two just over days. Two weeks. Just under two days. Two weeks. Yeah, two days before the playoffs start. So I don't know how many people are gonna be able to to be there that are not from Poland. But if in case they are, just mark the or fly in a day early or whatever you you want. It's gonna be uh, near Kat near Spodek, so it's gonna be like a very familiar location, I guess, for for people. And we'll put on the the tickets. I'd say this weekend, probably on Sunday, like Sunday afternoon. I feel like that's that's a good time. I didn't manage to prepare that for the show. Uh, it would be nice to throw it live now, but it is what it is. Hey, you know, it is what it is. All right, gentlemen. Um, I think we're coming to the the logical conclusion here, but I know that there was a couple of questions that came. We through. need to ask one question. That's yeah, that's Halvor's question, right? Was it Halvor's uh, question? Yeah, but we kind of asked that. Was, oh, what we was did? your biggest regret uh, from yeah. NIP? I think he was talking about the LNZ ZTR move. Uh, so I can ask uh, another question. I think this one was good. It's a promise. Uh, you said it was a promise. Hollywood Chillin asks, question for Threat. Who was your favorite player to play with during the Lions, H2K, Lemon Dogs era that didn't switch over to CSGO? Ooh, that's a very tough one because like, I consider all of them close friends, right? Um, and I, like, Crystal is the one I played the most with, but it's, uh, the, the one I missed the most is probably Sneal. Because he really started to shine. Like he was a bit unlucky that he he had a weird career where he he played a lot in like really early, like 2005. Like this is way back, right? And it was good. And then he was like, "I'm going IRL," which thing people did back then, right? <laughs> and then he just came back at the end, and he immediately made our team a lot better. Like even at the last 1.6 major, we came third. We beat SK with Forest and Get Right, right? And he 
He was just so good in that tournament. Didn't they steal him right afterwards? Uh, no, he was actually an SK that was like 2009, oh. way before that. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah, and then he um, started playing his goal, but he like became a father, mm -hmm. and things just didn't work out. And it, it's sort of the thing where I can think about if, what if? He was one of those players. Like he was so talented, he could definitely he could definitely be on the starting line of of, of NIP in the beginning. Damn. Yeah. Oh, uh, I don't know. Hey, he he was just such a nerd. Like even a bigger nerd than me, always. In an alternate universe, maybe maybe it happened. Maybe he new, stuck the landing. New viewers, uh, Google Neil Famous or whatever. Is there a name of a frag movie? Just, um, if you just Google YouTube Sneal, you will have some highlight movies. Yeah, I think. yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah there's, there's a lot, a lot of problems in there for sure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, there's just just one clip here. I'm gonna... If if there's any like anything that we should send to Valve to get them to buff uh, to to buff the burst fire, it should just be Sneal clips so they can appreciate <laughs> how good it looks. Because it's like a it's a high risk, high reward fucking play. Like you're locked up with those bursts. If you can just hit the heads, it's fucking sick. It's really yeah. good. I think yeah. the only issue is that like people generally tend to like burst less these days. It's much more like either oh. people are tapping or they're spraying. Was like actually... bursting is not such so so much of a thing. So that's the only thing that I feel like maybe it's just out of meta at this point. Okay. People just wouldn't do it. I see what angle you're coming at this from. All right, boys. Well, we've been going for two and a half hours. So I think we've we've hit our quota for this evening here. You know, all the people at home should be quite happy that we didn't talk about their teams. Um, Threat, do you have any any anything you want to get off your chest before you know any topics, any anything else you want to set straight? We know you were you were talking about narratives, and is there anything <laughs> else that 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 you you know maybe you see something at the moment? You're like people are talking about this team in this way, but you know that's not really the case. Well, top, like of that? My, top of my mind, no. I mean, the, the narrative thing, it's good. I got got it off my my chest. With the T size has been really bugging me, even <laughs> yeah. though it's a small thing. <laughs> Uh, other than that, I mean, I, I'm still uh, open for all suggestions in the esport world right now. I'm, I'm taking it easy right now. I think uh, I want a few months to sort of figure out what I really want to do, but I'm open to suggestions. And uh, if you want the best possible executes on Anubis, uh, oh. just in, invo invoice me $1,000 and I will. <laughs> oh, maybe we can just like specialist coach for Anubis. We can get like a, you know, freelance coming in for a week. I I love playing a bit of Anubis. It's a lot of fun. That's a it's a good map. I think that they've done a good job on it. Did you see that they lowered the grates for the lineups outside A? It's fucked. You got to just aim a bit. You got to you got to spitball it a bit more now. They've changed a, a few things. Uh, that's cheap. Chad will buy that for his ESEA team. I didn't. I missed the sign up, Halvor. I missed the sign up for ESEA season season eighteen. Anyway, uh, don't you have some pull? Yeah, come on, mate. Yeah. It's not the Virtus Pro fucking invite situation all over again. All right, we can ramble on here for, for a long time. All right, so Threat, he's out and about. If anybody wants his services, find him on the social medias. You can you can look him up. He's a pretty well-known guy. I'm sure we'll have his like Twitter or something in the YouTube after all this. Uh, we got the live show that Prof mentioned, 18th of February for Katowice in Katowice. Once upon a time, we had a party in that venue. Uh, Post the early party. major. Maybe we, maybe we do have another party. And uh, we'll be back with another episode, I imagine, next week sometime when we can work it out uh, throughout the schedule. I don't know how everything is going to pan out. It's been a little bit hit and miss with a uh, start to the year and so many matches and tournaments. But again, thank you for everybody for tuning in. It's been another episode of HLTV Confirmed, and we'll see you all next time.
Add some fun to your space with Extrify, designed in Sweden with focus on quality products built on experience. You're looking at Project 4. There are four generations of products with super cool colorways to stand out, with matching sets to satisfy with a solid B4 bungee, lightweight ergonomic M4 mouse, the K4 keyboard is fantastic, all of which are performance focused, and finish it off with colorful GP4 mouse mats that are bold in design and smooth on the surface. The retro theme in particular has got the feels. Complete your setup with Extrify. No regrets, guaranteed. Finally, I found what I was looking for. Now that my search is over, it's gonna be a tough choice. But fortunately, no need to choose. When you can just have them all. Buy and sell skins on bitskins.com. N1Bet is here to make your world brighter. Bet anytime, anywhere. Just go to n1bet.com and get your free bet with promo code HLTV. When everything is clear and transparent, play is pleasure. n1bet.com. Your bet, your game.